Welcome to Bridge the Gap. My name is Holden Stefanroy, and effectively, this is the show where we talk to very smart, interesting people like, such as yourself, Mr. Let Me Know. And we try to walk through your life, and we try to extract knowledge nuggets, um, and we all try to learn. And a lot of it tends to be related to the scene, Montreal scene, but it's really just anyone that's interesting. And because I mostly know artists, it kind of skews that way. But as this evolved and where you come into being like a super exciting one for me is that like it kind of turned into this effort to become more of a historian for the city and to try to capture the story of Montreal. And something I learned along this whole journey is some of the worst people to ask about the story of what happened were the rappers. They're great for hearing their story, but like you want to talk to the engineers and the video people and the sound. Those are the people that got the fucking story because they were like, I look at it like you're like the eyes, like even at an event, I'm so busy paying attention to the shit. I have to pay attention to as an artist that half the time can't even see it. Like imagine you're promoting the event. You have no fucking time to see it. You're the eyes. You're the one that's, literally they're seeing it all and it's like wow this is actually such a special thing you're not the first video person we've talked to but you're the first like video person that can name drop a whole bunch of interesting people that are like wow for the era of the time that they come from so just knowing that you were like in a sense a set of eyes that was specifically designed to just watch and pay attention to the details of this era makes you such an invaluable resource to the city of montreal and everything because i know how long you were around and let's be real you're still around and all of that and we didn't even mention epic meal times Oops. but that's fucking cool too no i mean it's cool because like for the sense of all the things you've been involved with that people have heard of shit that's actually like real nifty to think about and to sit there like you actually are on wikipedia you just are i think so you are you're, I, I got i got a i got a what's it called uh what's what's the video one um uh i don't know video uh, uh where you get all your video accolades they got me as a cameraman mm, nice imdb anyway, imdb there you go that's dope yeah, I was like, because uh, I checked uh, I checked just to make sure you were who I thought you were at first in regards to that part. And then anyway, I was like, yeah, no, because like, then like, even how we started this year, it was with the Murder Face album review because it was the 10 year anniversary and you're attached to that. Like, you're just everywhere. You're just all over fucking history and it's fucking cool. And that makes we it real fun. special with it. And uh, with that, though, um, we are going to talk about a bunch of stuff, but I do have like a token first question that I like to ask everybody because it kind of just gets the vibe rolling. And then, uh, you yeah, know, we'll get into all your praising. He's like, I don't want to talk about myself. We're going to talk about other people. And I'm like, well, we're going to have to start with a little bit, especially with this question. So it's a bit of a story, but it goes with my girlfriend is washing the dishes one time and she's dancing around listening to that black eyed piece on that. I got a feeling. And she's like dancing and I'm like, yo, it's crazy how now this is some exercise choresy kind of music, you know, like that's what its purpose is in life now, because I can distinctly remember 10 years ago being in the bar, two in the morning, jumping in circles, singing that same very tune, dancing around in a completely different era of life. And it got me thinking about like the vibes of music and how music isn't like really set in stone or stuck in time. And that also means that all of those club bangers that you're hearing today. That's the chores music of 10 years from now. There are kids that are going to grow up to chores listening to all of the club bangers of today. I thought that was a great thought, but it made me realize that when we think about our own musical journeys, and even if you were the eyes of it, you still had a musical journey, let's be real. Um, 
it always like kind of starts before we get into it. Usually around puberty, we start to get into music and craft our own little identities in it. But really, our musical journeys start long before that. It starts when you're like born and you come into life and then all the people around you, the families and the environments, there are sounds there. Like in my case, my dad's bumping these Led Zeppelin tapes and my mom's buying those shitty disco tapes that have like the re bad versions of the disco songs on it and like all this other stuff. So it was a lot of tapes in my life, a lot of radio, like, you know, for some reason, Krista Berg was in the cars and it was never in the apartment, you know, shit like that. Like, and it's just my brain went through all of that. And it made me realize that's really the foundation of it. Like I'm really into dance music now. And it's probably because my dad made me listen to nineties dance music. You know, like all of these things have these correlations. So I thought it would be mad interesting if you could walk us through like a five year old let me knows musical landscape when you're super young, what it sounded like, the technologies, the vibes five. of that. Five there was an Elvis cassette. There was a Jive Bunny cassette. Five is young man. It is. Like I can I can I can do like like 11 12 13 because then I was at the mall buying my own shit and like I remember that like what it was were yesterday. Your, like parents into and stuff like what was other people into um my my parents were very close with Aaron Rand radio DJ Q92 Aaron and Paso in the morning I don't know if you remember them I do but super nifty. uh so that's that's my brother's godfather and that's like close family friends growing up so lot a lot of records uh dj samples thousands of records in my house like basement with records there's there's stacks i can show you in my place now there's records everywhere like wow records were always around um but as far as one type of music like my friends wow. now it was, this it was is everything. great you already gave us something golden that's what we're doing we don't know what you're going to answer but you just told us something yeah. crazy interesting your parents is connected to the aaron and tasso people and you basically growing up literally able to dig through crates like it's digging into yeah. crates time of yeah all i was scratching i was i was scratching at seven or eight on records that i shouldn't have been scratching on because i just fe like figured out what hip-hop was and like these are not technique turntables that you're supposed to be scratching and it's probably a Beatles record. Like I did a bad job when I was younger. Yo, tell us a <laughs> bit about that. I mean, for you, this is all inherent stuff. So you have to assume that A, young people might be watching, B, people that aren't from here might be watching. And this is like, yo, these are great opportunities. Like what song got you into hip hop? <sighs> what song got me? I mean, hold on. No worries, man. Um, you can tell he's a video guy right there. That's some video guy shit that never happens with those rappers. <laughs> well, sometimes right? It just gets dark when it's over. Um, song got me into hip hop. I mean, the first albums I ever bought, uh, with with the exception of Snow, Snow was a little bit before everything. Uh, I remember going to Fairview and picking up 36 Chambers and my friend picking up Scarface the Diary. Okay. We're probably in grade five or six. And... We bought one at Music World and then decided we were going to get a second one with a blank cassette and we were going to dub the two so that we all, two blank cassettes and we each had a copy. Mm. Um, we went into HMV and we unraveled Scarface the Diaries plastic in HMV and there was some kind of undercover there. And as we walked out, guy grabs me and like pulls me back into the store. And I remember being shook at first, but knowing that I didn't do anything wrong. And I said to him, no, no, like we're unraveling a CD that we tape that we bought across the hall. But if you want in the garbage over there is the receipt. And we walked over to the garbage. And at that point I had a little bit of attitude. And I said, put your hand in and grab the receipt. And he said, you put your hand in. I go, no, no, you're questioning me. Put your hand in. 
And the guy put his hand in the garbage and he pulled out a receipt and said, sorry, guys. And I remember being like 11, 12 years old, being like, winner. Nice. I got one. So, yeah. Wow. I was like, this is good shit. I know that you might not find this with, interesting. Do with music, but... No, I know. But <laughs> this is this is how the interviews go. It's more like we want to know about let me know. And all of the other stuff well, is secondary. And your whole... That was my first hip hop purchase. I'm going to say if I go like really deep into. But it was more like you said that you discovered hip hop and you started scratching. And I'm like, that's nifty. And you said that happened before you bought that album. So that I'm was, like, yeah, that was six, seven years old. So like, like what, I knew what hip hop was. How did that happen? Because that's super cool too. If you don't remember, it, it makes sense, but it's fair. You're young. But man, just the idea of like a little seven, eight year old of you taking your mom's record player or whatever, like a regular ass one and being like, fuck that. I'm fucking up the Beatles. That's mm-hmm. that's an amazing thought when you really like take the time to pr- unpackage that and consider what's actually being said there. Like that's not like a regular situation. That's like not everybody has that experience at least. So, it was it was inherent in me. Uh, Two Live Crew was one of the first rap songs I ever heard. Uh, Band in the USA, mm. and Band in the USA is strictly about freedom of speech, and it's fuck Dolores Tucker and it's fuck anyone who isn't about that and. I remember always identifying with the underdog and hip hop at that time was, was sold like cigarettes. You had to go behind the counter and like point and ask for it. So like, what is that? I want to know what that is right away. And not only that, like, yeah, I didn't even know that. Like, give it, yeah. Give it to me in abundance. It was, I remember going into the biz, which later became future shop and they used to print the parental advisory stickers as a sticker on the top of the CD. And I remember scratching off the sticker of grave diggers and going to the cash and the lady at the cash knew what it was looks at my mom and says there's supposed to be a sticker on this do you know what you're like what you're buying here and i'm looking at that lady like fuck you like you're ruining the whole shit right now and obviously the cd went back and i didn't get grave diggers that day but i know the whole album off my heart <laughs> so That's... i got it eventually so it's um, cool. no, but what's cool about these stories? Because I know it might be kind of weird to delve on this stuff, but we're in the. I've con- never said this out loud. We're in the context, right? So, a, I never really knew that back in the day, hip hop was hidden, and and like these these little nuggets we can get that show some of the things that like you can't Google that. That's not you're not Googling that anywhere. So unless somebody like you shares that memory and we can extract that knowledge nugget, it just gets lost so in the annals of time. You know. Just- just, just to put it into even uh, better perspective, there was a time when hip hop didn't have its own section and it was mixed in with the rock section. And you could find an Ice Cube or a Dr. Dre mixed into the rock section. And when hip hop or rap, it was called, right? Rap is, is the genre. It got its own section, but it was behind the cash mm. in cassette form. And I'm pretty sure there were CDs at the time too. You might be able to get them, but there was a rap section where you can, where you can, point and grab what you want and they'll hand it to you yo what up rico blocks yeah we're live so up, rico Block? it's good to say i haven't seen him people. yeah he was yeah, one man. of those uh earlier interviews back when it was still a fledgling idea that's an og in the game 100 maybes yeah no it was fun uh i enjoyed having him here he, he broke four hours he really pushed it and i was like one of four, those, no we can't do four hours nah, as the next game on don't worry about it i don't know <laughs> but like i'm just saying he went that far with it uh but Usually, like, you know, depends on the night. Some people are really into it. Some people are less into it. 
Um, yeah, you never know. I have no no hard outs today. It's whatever. There is a Knicks game, but you might just see the reflection. That's all. Yeah, I'm all right with that. But if the shit's litty and like 15 to 30 people show up, I might be like, yo, bro, there's 30 people here. <laughs> and then we keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. <laughs> but nah. No worries. It's cool, man. Uh, I really appreciate you already. You're fucking killing it, in my opinion. You're doing exactly what we want out of this. I know the first question's weird, but it's meant to be the most open-ended, abstract shit ever because you literally don't know some of the crazy cool stories we've gotten. Like, people put on full presentations and plays. They would act out these things. They were into dancing. Yo, did you ever dance when you were young? Were you a dancer? Not good at it. I've never really, no. Um, I remember, I remember dancing to Johnny Be Good, Back to the Future, mm. and I, I jumped off the table, uh, jumped off the sofa and hit a coffee table and split my head open. And that was the end of dancing as a kid. Yo, that... I remember being like, no, 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 I don't get wild anymore. Like I learned quickly, like not to be reckless. Oh man. That's, that's a big yeah. lesson. That's a big lesson. Was, yeah six seven years old like i went like this and there was blood and i'm like oh like you don't do that anymore what about drive? so yeah like there was no there was no wild dancing there was none of that were you a dryer like a, a dryer i don't know art was yeah art art since day one uh i did uh trudy art classes in in elementary school this this older lady would do these art classes i did pastel and and charcoal drawings I got a couple. My mom still got a couple. Still. Um, cartooning. What was the guy's name? Like Ernest or something. He had a funny name. But uh, yeah, I went to cartooning classes and drew a bunch of cartoons for a couple of years. I always liked art. Anything creative, I was always down with. I stop. And when you and we are so basically, why we do this is we like to run through elements and just see what people are involved with. And usually, you know, you ended up with video, so it makes sense you'd be interested in art in some way. I find there's usually a correlation between visual people and the visual arts, and I would call anything video a visual people thing. Video, video just happened. It was, I mean, I was told by many different people to pick a lane, and that was the lane at the time that made the best sense, like the most sense. Yeah, but it was yeah. it was a passion thing. It was more of a hobby, and it just became something. Interesting. Well, we'll get to that with more detail. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So Can let's turn another like keep talking all right you do your thing um i love that like i would just not even think one time to check my lighting beyond going live i'll notice it after an editing uh yo what's up adam shemmy we were just watching a whole bunch of your shit on the stream all of these old adam shemmy videos from back in the day that like we're capturing all this history that i'm so grateful you captured and put on the internet no editing no videos happen without just so you just so we're clear yeah he taught me yeah none of it happens without stuff as big Salute. love so let's say uh i forget to ask on purpose at first but where are you from uh originally are you born here yeah west island straight up what grew up in dollar days armo yeah that's fun yeah, I, man. I spent a few years out in dollar i was in right a, west park area yeah uh, I, I was in a uh, bucktown for about five years i turned 18 i used to there. play ball there I was, I was cool good. Brook and Sunny Brook. Yeah. I used to play ball out there. I lived across the street from that IGA for a minute. Okay. Yeah, so that was, uh, I was like, that's where I learned to drive. Yo, that is the best place to learn to drive because it was so fucking calm. Anyway. Those those little buildings, like the, the two, three-story buildings? Yeah, the brown, across the street. the brown and white ones there that were like super just, yeah. yeah with each, their, man used to, each man used to live there. That's, yeah, I, I met him one time. 
and I don't know him outside of meeting him one time. I followed him on Twitter, and it's like he stopped using Twitter the day after I followed him. It was the like, oh no, just the cool. I haven't spoken to him in years, but stand up, dude. No, I'll tell you, the second show I ever did was with H Man, and he took it so serious. It was so professional that like it made me step my game up because he wanted everything perfect, and it had to be rehearsed. And since that performance, I was always like professionalism because of him mm. so pick up h man yeah that's dope though I super pre- serious that's cool that's cool i have i met him that one time i don't remember i just remember his name was h man and i went by h man in high school and foolish me that was the first thing i said to him and i'm like in hindsight maybe not mm. the smartest thing to say to a dude <laughs> solid uh no he shows up with a, with a videographer with a manager with people selling merch he just okay he was he was he was way 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 ahead of his time and he had it all lined up. I mean, I think it was just a matter of perseverance. Years, he did probably like five, six years of consistently doing this. Maybe cool. more. I could be wrong. I but mean, his team was so strong. He was so strong. It was it's a really good look. I like those guys. That's tough. Like, I, I personally am at this point where I just want to meet everybody that did anything. So it's exciting to hear you bring up names, especially that one who I do know but haven't thought of in like eight years. Um, but like, let's say for you then, um, where did you go to high school, and what was high school like? Uh, Were you doing all this so creative shit? <laughs> I did. I did two years hard time at WIC. Mm. Um, I, like I remember. Yeah, no, I remember. I remember crying. It was the last time I like can remember, like just bawling and telling my parents, like it's not for me. Like, why are you paying for this? This is hell. Like, I'm getting into trouble every day. I got like 62 overall. I'm not getting along with anybody i don't really have a lot of friends like it just it was miserable for me i don't think i think there's maybe two people that i like that i still am in touch with from there right um and grade nine my entire world changed i went to Lindsay. okay and at the time i thought i was gonna make the nba which is west island something something it's yeah us. yeah it was a private school i was playing basketball every single second of the day and i thought literally i was i was gonna be a professional ball player um I got to Lindsay, I quickly realized that there's a lot better people out there, but played ah, a lot of basketball. That's funny. Uh, won a city championship in 97, 98, dating myself. But yeah, I won, won a city championship. I was an athlete. I was an athlete all through high school. I hung out with like all the ball players and we were going away for tournaments and stuff. It was, I think maybe I smoked like two doobies. You know what I mean? Like grade nine for like a week, I sold pot until I got punched in the face. <laughs> and I was like, okay, it's not for me. I was an athlete. I was an athlete. I, I wasn't heavy consumer at the time as far as uh, any substances or anything like that. I mean, you're, that came late. You're, you're a young person. You're not supposed to be doing all the bad stuff. Set like right. no, but the girls were, and some of the dudes were too. But I like um, how your first response is the girls were. That's that's a good statement. <laughs> they were. They were. I remember the girls were coming out of the bathroom with nosebleeds and shit. Like it was public school. It was. Listen, there was some real shit happening. I went to public school and I was oblivious. So there was real shit happening around me and I had no idea. And then I thought back to high school and I'm like, oh, later on in life. But I went to Wager. So it was an mm-hmm. interesting experience to be there. It's not around anymore, eh? Nah, I was in the last grad class. And then the last one of the last things they did is they cleared the reserve money and took us out of the round. It was fucking dope. We got a free trip to the round as a school. <laughs> 
I don't know. It was Wager. It was an experience. Uh, I don't think I don't think I'd be sitting here talking to you if not for Wager. Like and the cultural experience of just being surrounded by so many different kinds of people. The people that I met, the people that I met in in public school are are my friends to this day, and it's such an eclectic, diverse group. I mean, Jamaican, Trinidadian, uh, Indian, uh, Greek, like, and these are my best friends. These are the people that I like. This is the group chat. You know what I mean? This is Mm -hmm. this is the WhatsApp chat, and like, there's like one of every demographic in that chat. Like, it's crazy. That's right. Um, very, yeah, very fortunate to just grow up in a city and in, in a in a school where there was just so many uh, different ethnicities, diversity, and how we were able to click from basketball. I mean, that's that's really what it is. Is we all had a common interest, and that's that's how we became friends. It was cool. Yeah, that's fresh. special. I used to bomb with people over music for real. It was like the same kind of deal, but it was all music in my life. It wasn't like we didn't have no cool battle rap shits, but yo, Wager was like a tenth the size of fucking Lindsay Place in terms of population. It was like fucking tiny school. Like my brother ended up going to Lindsay Place and I found out how big this shit was. I don't think it was like a tenth, but it was like way bigger. I'm like, wait, there are schools that have more than 300 people in Montreal? Oh, no, no. We had we had over 200 in our graduating class. Yeah. We had one of the biggest. That's like was, There was 200 and something kids graduating when I graduated. I didn't know anybody. I knew my 17 people and that was it. Yo, that is like, like it's like just to me it's like it's it's so interesting just to hear that because like yo we we closed because of low population like it went from like 300 and change for the whole school my first year to the point where they open a school under us the john grant and then like by the end of it my grad class is like 40 something people that's right so it's like you knew everybody well, the whole, no secrets the whole school knows everything about everyone you even knew the grade seven kids because literally you just ended up learning their names because there was no <laughs> i didn't know anybody I, I to this day i'm still like i have a friend josh who's constantly telling me who's who and if i ever run into anyone i gotta call him or have him close so that i could be like where do i know this person because i didn't know anybody i got there in grade nine it's Point Claire. All these clicks are already formed, and I'm just like, I'm here now. And luckily, I I gravitated towards a, a ball team, but it was interesting. It's yeah. Definitely interesting. Delhi Dells is like my high school grad class is bigger than your whole school. I'm like, fair enough. Uh, I didn't actually. <laughs> yo, it's it's such a crazy experience to think about. Now I'm gonna have to ponder on that after. That's so. In high school, were you involved in like other stuff than sports? Like, are you a writer of any kind? Like, do you do anything? Or you also are you a reader? Let's go with that too. A re- oh, well, I'll start with the writing side of things. Um, we were we were all uh, influenced by by hip hop, obviously, and we would write, but we wouldn't rap. We were kind of pussy with it. And I know that the generations sure. after would like have like these these cyphers and these like downstairs like underneath the gym like battles and stuff. We we weren't there. We were like. I would write a verse and then and then give it to the person about them and then they would write it back like a like a note you know what i mean and yeah, i know that life it, it was it was kind of corny but it was it was definitely rap there was definitely like bars being spit and like people would know them and like these papers would be passed around throughout this like the group you know yeah. um so that was that was writing i mean i'm trying to think reading like whatever tupac told me to read that's what i read when i was younger so like Machiavelli, Art of War, you know, like like any Yo, any type of nobody said that. You're the what do you first, mean? Like, well, I mean, of all the interviews I've done, you're the first person to be like, Tupac said, read it, so I read it. 
that is a first yeah. for me. It was very profound. I guess in my whole life, nobody has said that to me. <laughs> I read Art of War probably 25 times just because I still don't get everything. Like that book, you can read a hundred times and you won't get every word. It's, it's a war strategy book. It's talking about everything from terrain to strength. It's, it's insane how much information is there and you can relate it to everyday life. Yeah. There's all kinds of different uh, translations of it too. But Tupac told me to read Art of War. So I remember reading that one when I was young, high school. Um, no, we were reading the source slam magazine and the source. Those were the two sometimes XXL. Oh, shit. It was, yeah. So you grew up like with, with the hip hop magazine. Cause I'm like a little younger than you. So like I went to high school 2000 to 2005, By then the source is not the source quite like the source that you had. No source was a Bible source was like, if someone got five mics, you buy that album right now. Yeah. That was, it was, it was, it was a crucial part of it. And You'd, you'd run for the new copy. Like people would show up with the new copy and you're going to Fairview and scooping it like after school. Mm. Like it was, it was an important part of it. No, it's dope though. It's, it's dope to see that it had prevalence here. Um, honestly, hip hop magazines don't come up a lot. So it's cool that you brought it up. Um, yeah, man. We all online too, or is it too early for the internet yet? Online was, was the wild west. Online was bootlegs. There was, MIRC, there was Instant Messenger, MSN, and then there was like all the Napsters and the LimeWires. So people were just filling up their computers with bootlegs. It was that era. Um, I remember there was a couple dudes who knew a couple things that I didn't know. I don't know if you know IRC, like that old school chat. So I know what it is, but like I come into it like right after it stops being cool and MSN Messenger is the shit. So, so I, no, I'm not talking about ICQ. I'm talking about IRC, oh. MIRC. What's MIRC? This is a program that's like, maybe it's, I it's don't DOS know what you're talking about. It's, it's, it's <laughs> CD space. You're, you're typing in DOS, but you're looking at people's directories. It's, it's file sharing before file sharing. How about that? Where I you can, can go into people's computers and pick what you want and then just download it off their computer. And yeah. they're giving you free access to it. Okay. So I can contextualize I that. I remember there was stuff that was circulating that like you couldn't even find today. Like, it was Machiavelli five, six, seven, all the way through fifteen, and like these are unreleased Tupac albums that never saw the light of day, that exist to this day. Um, so there was this guy named Bilal, and Bilal was a Sikh, and he was recruiting me to come to the mosque. I'm getting off subject here. Nah, you're fine. But this is really, what the show is. He, he wanted me to he wanted me to come to the mosque, and I wanted access to these downloads of like these Tupac albums. So we kind of traded off once where like he solicited like his religion and I solicited what I needed and we both got what we wanted. Um, I ended up going to the mosque with him and I ended up getting about 15 Tupac albums out of the deal. And I wore a Sikh bracelet for a while in high school just to represent like the team mm. on like some like these are my, my homies. But uh, Bilal had access to things that nobody should have access to like these these unreleased albums that probably still exist that no one has. And I remember going to the mosque in exchange for Tupac albums. It's a pretty wild one. Yo, that that's serious though. Cause like I read this, yeah. this book about that bootlegging era and how they would get stuff and this crazy, like one of the distribution centers, like where the discs actually got created. It was this whole operation of leaking that went on for a minute before it finally got busted. and. They kept saying IRSC. I think that's where I heard the term, and you just like added a lot of context there. But yeah, there's there's this un 
you just said you listen to a bunch of pock that literally none of us are ever going to hear and you, you mm -hmm. don't have access to today it was about 15 machiavelli albums of like unreleased unfinished songs maybe 10 it was stupid it was it was ridiculous how much unreleased music was available at that time and and stuff that would come out prior to the release date too so like if you had access to certain people's computers at that time you're getting albums weeks if not months before they drop no track lists you make up your own song names and you write them on the back of like a piece of paper and it's just it's someone who who stole it out of the out of the studio yeah and, that's and like, it. i mean effectively that's like yeah i wonder how many people even know about all these well, i mean in particular the Pac albums like we all know he recorded a bunch of stuff but like i wonder how many people know about this shit or even like i know there's some documentation on the like leaking early copies but i never really considered lost music like how much music just exists that's out there that nobody's gonna hear hundreds of songs i guess that's, hundreds. that's serious though yo what's up yeah. golden jenny um Wow, man, you really, this is cool. I like this because it's like, this is how like the 90s and two, early 2000s was, right? Like this is effectively a huge time capsule into an actual way that people in the know would acquire music. Like I'm sure DJs would be looking for these people. I'm sure lots of people would be like, I mean, if they were in the know, I mean, I'm just trying to imagine here. I don't know, always right? Mm -hmm. But like, man, that's, that's cool. Cause that's a pretty, that's how the internet starts before it evolves into the Napster situation and then everything else that comes after this is, it. This is before Napster and, and during Napster, when people were on Napster searching actual songs or albums, we were still, we, people were still on IRC, uh, using that CD space and then VIR slash, and just going through these archives of people's computers with albums and albums and albums. And then you just pick the one you want, and download it direct from their from their computer it was what yeah way way above like before it's time that's super cool i'm still like reveling in how much music like do you remember any of this pock shit or is it like some shit that's lost to your memory of time a lot of it was unfinished a lot of it was uh under the name machiavelli or machiavelli whatever he went under but i think it was recorded during that time frame where he was fresh out of jail and just recording every single day all day every day um I, I like there's only like a three or four year span right like from when he got out of jail to when he died so it, it had to have been during that time. right it's only during a small like but three four year span i still have so many albums um fair enough uh so i guess uh after high school what ends up happening for you or Asia. so what, what Asia do you go to dawson uh i didn't pay attention i never went to dawson like i went to dawson but i would show up with my bag and my books and then never end up in class and end up on a rooftop smoking or whatever i was up to um i didn't like dawson i didn't get around i didn't get along with a lot of people it was it was reminiscent of wick it was just like i hate to say this but like just there's too many white people around i mean it's like it made me uncomfortable like the amount of like rich people that were around me and i'm not from that yeah, life so it's I like i literally went through the same thing at abbott um i went from wager you gotta understand 44 people or whatever in my grad class 11 of them are white okay it's not like whatever this is just hard numbers um and then i go to abbott where yo it's like 90 percent white and it took me like six months to like get up to like i don't know to, to get comfortable you could say like it was a it was a hard I never got it was a hard experience to transition into that. So when you say that, I'm like, yo, I get that. I get that proper, proper. Right? 
Yeah, Dawson, I mean, I tried out for the basketball team. By then I was smoking weed and eventually smoking cigarettes even because I just had too much time on my hands. But uh, yeah, it was it was like I hung out with, with certain friends when I wanted to, but majority of the time was, was sitting outside just by myself, like kind of being like, nah, I'm not feeling this. And after like two years, I just stopped going and I was working full time. Was, uh, I was I was a suit. I was a corporate salesman for a bit. Nice. Yeah, I uh, I worked for Rogers. I started at Rogers when I was fifteen at Placer Two, and through high school and then all through CJEP, I worked at Rogers until I was like corporate account Rogers and selling to companies and getting them like 20, 30, 40 lines at a time. It was interesting. It was a fun period. I like how your your like word for it is interesting. I imagine that the, it's like the knowledge gain that is really let's reminiscent of that, or the experience was powerful. Sales in general was a was a fun time. I worked in sales for twelve years, and and at one point it was like all I cared about was money and make a million dollars, and there wasn't even any thought about me or happiness or any of that. It was literally just money, and that's what it was for a long, long time. And I actually had knee surgery and it, it changed the entire course. I was 260 pounds. I was selling and fat and uh, I had reconstructive knee surgery and I was bedridden for a couple of months, like fucked up and lost a lot of weight, grew the beard out and stopped going to work and haven't gone back to work since. Now I do what I want. That so, was, that was 25, 26. So how do you get was, like... So how do you get involved with videoing and the scenes and all the different stuff you get up to? Like at what point is that? It was, it was around that time. It was it was around that time. Um, I was working at Dormevu. I was making probably seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year as a corp as a as a uh, a retail salesman working in a store, and I was making that kind of money. I was twenty five, twenty six, and I just didn't want to do it anymore. I couldn't do it. I didn't make the mattress. I didn't want to sell it to the person. I just like, so when after I came back after the knee surgery, my suit didn't fit. I had this big beard. I was just like, no, no, like, I don't work here anymore. Like, just take whatever you want for free. Like, you can go. <laughs> um, I was giving them away. And my buddy Josh put me in contact with uh, a dentist. Okay, you ready for this? It was it was a dentist. I called him Dentist of the Stars. He was in uh, Hill Day Sur, and he would pick you up with a limousine and order you sushi and you sit and like watch a movie and then he'd clean your teeth kind of thing it was like rich and famous dentist right but the dude had a recording studio in saint michel and when he wasn't with his family and he wanted to get away from dentistry he would go and play around in his abandoned church that he redid with all his toys in it and i had access to this through a friend so we're talking about an abandoned church in saint michel with about three, four million dollars insured equipment inside of it. Anything you've ever imagined. Uh, analog preamps, Abbey Roads, the stuff that the Beatles recorded on, Newman U87s, all kinds of fenders and Stratocasters, the best drum sets, the best microphones, you name it, it's all there. And the guy said to me and my buddy Josh, he said, just give me 50% and you have access and like do what you want. He's like, you can't smoke, you can't drink in there, but if you're respectful, it's yours and like enjoy. And I did that for about a year, maybe a little more, where I just I ran a recording studio with no previous knowledge of a recording studio. 
So that's where I met everybody from Sammy Baghdad to Dutch to Full Course. I mean, you name it, they all came through those doors and they most of them just saw the place and said, yeah, we have our spot, but it's cool. I mean, I was new to the game and you're not going to just become someone's engineer slash recording studio. You got to develop a rapport and that's what I did. I started yo, yo, developing yo. That was big what you just said. You're not just going to become somebody's recording engineer. You got to develop H-Man a report that. first. Each man said that. I remember each man the first time I met him, and he knew me through the West Island, but we weren't friends. It was just mutual people. And he sat down, and he's like, listen, like, I don't know you. He's like, maybe I'll know you, but if you think I'm going to give you money, he's like, no. He's like, I have people that I've been working with for years that I give money to do my shit. Like, why would I do that with you? And I'm like, okay. Makes, like you said, it's big knowledge, and that was H-Man. And I remember Hodges coming through and working. He was one of the first ones. Mr. Wells coming through and recording an entire album. This girl named Jill recorded an entire album there. A lot of spoken word stuff. Um, but Hodges was the big break. Hodges was like, oh, like we know David Hodges, Josh and I, my partner, but we don't know him though. And Hodges was like, I like this place. And we were in Saint Michel, like on the cusp of Montreal Nord. A lot of Haitian people in that area. And uh, Don Carnage is working out of the studio. Big up Don, who's a Montreal legend. We could talk about later. But uh, so it was during the uh, the hurricane in in Haiti, right? Earthquake, excuse me. Haiti had a big earthquake, and Hodges did a song called "Songs of Freedom," and he recorded the song in the studio with a bunch of like underprivileged kids that never got to see a recording studio. They're all from like broken homes or orphans and stuff. It was just like a really special afternoon. And we recorded that song. And then he's bro- uh, made a video, uh, a music video and all the proceeds of that song went to the earthquake relief. So that was the first time I worked with Hodges and found uh, a friendship slash business partnership that lasted till this day. So, um, that's where that's the best thing to come out of that studio but i'll give you one more um i remember sitting with full course you know richie i do not okay so one half of lab noise you remember those lab noise videos with all the freestyles and stuff you got to go check those no i know what Um, they are because the logics okay awesome so richie richie's one half of lab noise uh unbelievable human being one of my favorite people in in forget about rap montreal um he sat down with with Josh and I at House of Elliot was the name of the studio. And he said, like, you guys want to be engineers, but you're talking about uh, being uh, uh, doing shows and, and videos and all these. He's like, can't. You got to pick one. Because like I had such hopes and dreams and aspirations. And I gave him my egg. Anyone who'd walk in, I'd give him my whole playbook and be like, which one do you want to do? And full course was like, no, he's like, one thing at a time. He's like, you want to do shows, do shows. You want to do studios, do studios. But you're stretching yourself too thin and you're not going to be able to make like a, a name for yourself if you just if you come in as a jack of all trades. And that's what kind of influenced me to want to do the more promotion side of things. That's when he said, you're going to meet Dutch and you're going to meet these people. And he put me on to these people and I ended up becoming friends with them uh, years later. But the original one was the studio and then it became shows. And Richie was was a main reason why those West is majors happened, why all the Hodges shows happened was Richie saying, you got to pick a lane that you're comfortable with. 
and me reading the Pro Tools manual, it would take years for me to figure out how to engineer properly and, and do the things I want to do for these artists. I couldn't. So, ship, quick pivot. Mm. And it became rap shows really quickly. And rap shows lasted for, I mean, all through Epic Mealtime. We were still doing shows. I mean, the, the peak of rap shows was that shitty bar that you performed at. We had Down With Webster perform on a Friday night, and they did the Bell Center on the Saturday night. Nice. So, I mean... We did we did some crazy things there. Uh, We're gonna have all to those go through majors. a lot more detail than that. So what happens? People start to go through stuff, and then they start speeding up, speeding up, speeding up. I'm like, all right, all right, that's cool. Okay, like now, now we're at like some good shit. Like you can't gloss over epic meal time. You can just like throw that in. Like I mean, you don't have to like spend a million years on it. But there's a lot of how did you go from a guy in a church studio to being a video dude on the fucking all these other like. So, there's a lot of things okay, so, that got so, you know. So while I was doing the studio, Harley was making videos. Harley was our friend. I mean, he was lived three blocks away. All of Epic Mealtime lived three blocks from each other. We all knew each other. If we weren't best friends, we were we knew each other kind of thing. Mm. And um, Harley was a video guy. And as I started to meet all these different rappers, Harley would get involved and do the videos. Um, we got to be careful here, but uh, a lot of people's first videos or some of their first videos were shot by Harley pre-Epic Mealtime. Okay. Uh, there's stuff that still exists online. Uh, it's funny to see to this day, but it, it kind of shifted from studios to I'm doing rap shows, Harley's filming the rap shows, then we're doing rap videos, and then it came to a point where we were like, we don't want to film other people's videos and chase them for money anymore. It's just not a good look. So we started making our own rap videos. And they were like parody. They're they're online. Uh, a lot of them were taken down, but there's probably two or three uh, that are just like me, my brother, Harley, rapping, but like parody Lonely Island Boys kind of rap. Um, we did a song called Goatee Beard or Nothing. So instead of Beamer, Benz, or Bentley, we did Goatee Beard or Nothing. And it was like one of us had a beard, one of us had a go corny shit. Um, but we started doing a bunch of those and we caught a bug for like doing our own production as opposed to doing it for someone else. And natural progression was we're sitting there stoned in my backyard, Harley's backyard. And we're just talking about gluttony and fat foods that people, and there was a, a website called, this is why you're fat. And we went on this site and we saw these big monstrous creations. And we said, you know what? We already cook like assholes and we eat like assholes. Let's try one. And we didn't have a name. We didn't know what it was. We ordered a extra large Mori's and we threw a bunch of Burger King and McDonald's and fries and nuggets on the pizza and then put more cheese and put it back in the oven. And I remember trying to get laid and Harley calling me being like, yo, come, we're filming this pizza video. And I'm like, nah, nah, nah. I got this girl here. Leave me alone. <laughs> and this was the first epic mealtime that exists today. And he calls Alex and he's like, Alex, come, we're going to eat the pizza video. And Alex ends up being muscles glasses. Um, but I showed up a bit later with the chick. We ate it off camera. Um, and the video sat on Harley's computer for like five, six months. This is like beginning of the summer. And by like September, October, we were like, we got to put this video out. We got to do something with it. And we said, if it gets like 10,000 hits, we'll do another one. And it got like 50, 100,000 in a couple days. Dude, and we were like, oh, fuck. That oh, shit. fuck. That shit was like, you got to understand, for me, 
I'm at Abbott smoking a bunch of weed and shit. It was perfect for that time. Epic meal time comes out. And like we're saying from the jump, because I'm at Abbott, so like that shit hit us and we pushed it. My brother just left. You know, like my brother probably just left. Who's your brother? Tyler. Oh, I didn't even know that. Shit, okay. Tyler's Tyler's Tyler just left probably Abbott, right? He's yeah. A couple years older than you. I'm uh, 33, so I don't know how he is exactly. Yeah, he's around there. Maybe he's a little bit younger then. So Tyler might still be at Ab. Fair. Um. So that's what I'm saying. Like that shit's really. like floating around crazy. I remember I met him at a bar one time, and I had no idea who he was, but he was hot, and I did not know who he was, and he was not thrilled that I did not know who he was. That is my first really? memory of Tyler. I mean, come on, we're drunk at a bar at two in the morning. It's all fair game. Right. Like I'm not, this is not a story of malice. This is a story of, it was like the first time in my life I'd ever met anybody with a buzz who was like, how you fuck? And I'm like, yo, I just rapped. And he's like, I'm a fucking rap, you know? Like, and it's not like it is negative. It's just more like, but yo, you gotta, you know how it is. Like when you're just like feeling yourself and then the next guy's feeling himself. And that was my, that's funny. But yo, since then (laughs) it's been like, that guy is so interesting. And I think he's so cool. He, like I, I fucks with him. He has so many good songs and Tyler. shit. Yeah, yeah. Like he's a cool guy, he's in great. my opinion. I just that that's my first memory of him drunk. Like all of I it. I would say I would say he's my favorite person. I respect that. That's real. Yeah. That's cool. If your brother's your favorite person, that's a blessed thing. That is blessed as fuck. So. And he's mm-hmm. yo. You guys are a talented family. Y'all, you're, if you don't know Tyler Lemko, y'all should go like check him out. The last thing I saw him is when he did the political campaign uh, pictures. He was doing he ran that. for mayor. Yeah, that, I don't know if it was sincere or not, but that was one of the most amazing things I'd seen. The first time he did it was because he just wanted to do it. He put up a bunch of signs. But the second time he actually ran for oh, mayor, shit. he was on the ballot. He had 20, 2,500, 2,200 votes. Like, he was legitimately a candidate to the point where Valerie Plum called him and said, like, if you concede, there's a place for you, like, in in my, my cabinet or whatever it's called. And he's like, no, he's like, I just want to be mayor. I don't want to work in politics. Like, that's hilarious yeah i really like him though that, but that's the type so of I, shit that i like yo all this time later being able to come up with something cool like how do you get 2500 people to vote for you in a real election that's serious right? if he does it again he wins i, I mean that's cool and i'm saying that for yeah. you know, I'd, I'd i'd like campaign for him and push it on some i'd rather tyler get in than some of the other options that's my personal mm-hmm. political opinion um as a person who got informed on Montreal politics. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that's so cool, dude. Like, just that, how it started, too. Like, y'all just got stoned. You saw the thing on the YouTube you, or the, whatever the site is because YouTube is basically... We came up with the name because we knew that there was two words that existed that worked. It was fail and epic at the time. And we weren't fail, so we had to be epic. So we just threw the mealtime at the end and within days copyrighted t-shirts let's go i think by the third fourth video it was like it was a job already not everyone was working full time at it but But we knew that this was going to be a thing but this is like one of those rare moments of internet success of purely how to do it fucking right because people might not know how culturally relevant this shit became at least in montreal i would argue like if you were a young person, you knew exactly what the fuck it was. You consumed it, and you there's a lot of people who cop that merch. I saw that fucking bacon bits and whatever shirt that that shit was. So, and it was the hottest shit. It was everywhere, at least in Sejeps. Um, I mean, for the time it was trendy, right? You're you're talking 
Yeah, this is bacon a... and the boys and cooking. We were we were no, the this, first is, this is one particular show. shirt I remember y'all sold that went viral and like yeah, yeah that that one. Oh my gosh, dude, it was like fucking everywhere. Like that is not a thing that people do normally even when they are successful like you were culturally relevant to the city the the thing that we did that no one else was doing at the time and when i say that i mean like youtube no one else was doing is they didn't have a show they had a camera and they talked or they'd edit some little like sketch of sorts but they didn't have a formatted show with an intro and like a body and then an outro it wasn't a show and we were the only ones at the time who had a show so mm. imagine being the first show on YouTube and consistently doing it every single Tuesday for 10 plus years. Like that's a recipe right there that if you, first of all, come up with something that doesn't exist and then do it consistently on a platform that's brand new, forget about it. Like we were doing a million in a day every single time we put out a video. Think about that. Like To this day, I still can't fathom a million in a day minimum every time a video drops. Yeah, man, it was great. Thank you. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I was not the hugest consumer of the content because it, you know, it just made me want to eat it's it. It's definitely dated now. No, it's more, I never, okay, like, food porn was, like, the shit at the time. I used to, like, go to homies' cribs and they would, like, smoke joints and watch people cook food. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I personally never empathized with this activity and it was never something I sought out. Like, I'm like, let's do anything else would be my general feelings during cooking shows. Even my girlfriend. My girlfriend, like, watches the cake competitions, and I'm like, I'm never going to eat this food. It's not... Do you cook? Not really, no. I'm not so that into is. it. So, and it I, I accept. All of that is fair. So, I... But, I mean, it was porn. You guys made porn. That's what it felt like. It, it didn't feel like Thank regular. You. It felt like... Shit, I'm sure we did some bullshit. I'm certain at some point or another we made our own bootleg, low budget, epic meal time. And I say low budget because I'm Thank like you. 18. So like, like you, like to me it was big. Like, and that's why I dwell on it so much because I don't know if you know how big it was for us. Like, I mean, it took me all around the world. So yeah, I, it was a big fucking deal. But uh, it was it was short lived, and. It was short-lived in the sense that like we had the a team and it just kind of like if you look at it tyler and alex were only there for like 10 15 episodes shit was around for years and years and years all the the fun stuff that i got to do i'm kind of like uh i feel bad that we all didn't get the experience you know uh the the fun parts the the tours and and the uh the traveling and, and stuff like that. It was only a couple of people that got to experience the, the Japans, you know what I mean? Or like whatever the fuck else happened. Like, yeah. Um, it's, it's as if the Beatles were cut short and they were, the Beatles were cut short also. It's as if Wu was like done after the second album or the first album. It's like, we had a lot to do. It was like, there was supposed to be like five, six, seven, ten 10 shows. It was supposed to be like careers. That's what I always thought. But Hey, cry over spilled milk we had a great time thank you to everyone involved we had a great time doing it you know what i mean yeah. nothing but good things to say is the truth no nah, but like even sharing your experience i know it's complicated i know you're worried that somebody's gonna watch it feel away whatever whatever happens with it and i don't know what ramifications come from words that get said sometimes but the truth is in moments like that 
we don't know all the details. You didn't really say anything like that. You never put anybody under the bus. It's complicated is usually how it goes sometimes. And then you got crazy experiences out of it. But regardless of that, it was you and your squad that sat there and created this dope thing. I didn't My watch. closest friends. But if, like, if you look at the original team, but that's, it's, it's the closest that's people who, to me. So when I think of Epic Meal Times, and I can say this, I don't think of like the what came next. <laughs> I think of that shit that was grassroots that looked like it was filmed literally where I lived because it was fucking not far from where I was living at the time. Like y'all probably went to restaurants I went to. And like Bonnie, my girlfriend said in the chat, like, yo, like people were rooting for y'all. And then it got really big and it got really formal. And let's be real. There's only so many times you can watch this shit before. Like you're like, I, I mean, for me. Yeah, exactly. No, 10 years later, I, 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 dude, when I was there, I remember counting the episodes and being like, we have like double the amount of episodes as Seinfeld. That's, you know, it's like, it's way too many episodes. I mean, I mean, too many. It, it I paid the bills. I mean, I don't even know if too many is a thing. I think it's a it's a it's a cool ass concept, and I think I've seen some of the more high budget later on ones here and there, and I'm like, oh, that's what the show became. Because you know, you get curious. You're like, is that book meal time still around? And then you get a peruse through it, and it's like it's like you get that moment of like that's cool. Like that's what I was mm-hmm. always left with. Like you didn't want to go and see like it wasn't doing it. You know, like. It feels cool to see it, like to this day, and you know, whatever. So, like to me, it's like there's an extra special part right. of me that was like, yo, a dude from that era, Epic Meal Time, is sitting. Um, you know, there's a part of me that's a little like 18 year old starstruck or that. You know, I can't help it. My whole life, I added this guy to Facebook over that shit. I yep. was like, yo, they're on Epic Meal Time. I swear that happened. I remember the. The first time it hit was going to Fairview. It was like the fourth or fifth episode. We're in wherever, some some store. And kids are like running behind the racks of clothes and like screaming and then running out of the store. And we were like, oh, like people recognize us for the first time. Yeah. It was it was a wild feeling. It was cool to like and then after that it was over. It's like you go to Fairview, you're taking pictures and signing autographs. But there was there was that one first one where it was like oh shit like people recognize us and like we don't know them you know it's wild shout out vince price being in the chat i just popped in what up vince Vince was over last weekend yeah vince is dope vince is my new homeboy uh secretly we just we just finished filming actually over a couple days ago but uh we finished filming uh, a shell's music video oh that's fresh that's cool. I know yep. who that is because Vince has been schooling me. Me and Vin- Vince is my cipher buddy. Like me and Vince are now involved as like partners and shit. Vince and is my brother. That's my dude. Man's gave me the freshest beat I ever bought in my entire life. Salute. Yeah. So yeah, as Ismail said, best producer in Montreal. I said as Ismail said because I don't want to be on wax saying that, but Ismail says that, and it's on the screen up there, up there in, in my top five. Yeah, actually, I, Vince Price is fucking great, though. I don't know a single person who doesn't love his beats. That's not the point. We've given Vince Price his flowers. We can uh, go back to you. And we, we did talk a bit about the Epic Meal Time. Your role is filming. That's all clear. Y'all can go watch the YouTube, see what he actually did in action. I'm certain, though, that there's a whole other avenue that's happening throughout this point because you're throwing shows, and we didn't really go down that branch. We went down the other branch. We didn't. So let's we go didn't. back that's, to that's the... the 
it's, we got the we got it out, and now we can get into the good shit. It's like eating the veggies first, ironically. Um, <laughs> okay. But, but um, um, yeah. So how, during let's, during let's, that era, the the 2010s, let's call it like the early 2010s. Um, just to to give context, I was DJing. I was. Uh, I was I was heavily heavily consuming at the time. Um, Epic Mealtime was popping, but I didn't have a job. I'd show up to the filming and kind of just like hanging out with my friends, play 2K, maybe tell a joke or two, and it would get used on camera as like someone else said it. But like I was getting paid to literally hang out, and I needed to find my own way. Like I had to figure out what I'm gonna do, you know, because Epic Mealtime is there. There's a guy filming. There's a guy in front of the camera. There's a guy cooking. I'm one of the homies. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm conniver. You know, I'm like like the seventh guy on the track. Like, I don't like being Scotty Pippen, let alone Steve Kerr. You know, so I had to find my own thing. And just prior was the studio with with Hodges and SRH and Crazy K and and Coons and uh, Shemi and and these guys. And they're they're a click. Like you were talking about. Uh, before I came on, how like the collective, that was their name. They were the group therapy collective. It was seven guys that all came together that had common interests in rapping on the same tracks. So like it was Griselda Wu-Tang before that. Um, I mean, before Wu-Tang it wasn't, but you know what I mean? It was, it was like, it was a bunch of dudes from around the same area who grew up all together and they all rapped. So why wouldn't they rap together? And I kind of, gravitated towards them based on the fact that Hodges and I were already working together at the studio and I would sit in sessions. I would film sessions, recording sessions. I would just politic with Hodges for hours about like what, what the moves are. And eventually we came up with shows. I was already, sorry, excuse me. I did two or three shows prior with the studio and then Hodges and I started working together. We did. Fuck, I'm messing up the timelines, dude. It's all right. It's going way back. We're um, talking a decade ago. It's okay to mess up the time. Yeah, no, I'm trying to. Okay, so, so when I'm at the recording studio, I'm doing a couple shows with Josh. We had this name called Suits and Sweatpants, and we did shows called Sunday Night Primetime, and those were at Bourbon. And those shows were Black Mob, Got That Boys, uh, Crazy K performed, I think, at one. Wells performed. And we did a couple of those Sunday night prime times. That's where I met H Man. We did that show. Um, that Sunday night prime time allowed me to make friends with enough rappers and see that there was enough of a demand there that I wanted to kind of like take it up a notch. And I remember sitting in my parents' backyard with Crazy K, Hodges, Shemi, that whole like that click, and coming up with West is Major, coming up with the name, coming up with the idea. It wasn't me. It was it was a, a collective of people that all wanted to see other people as like opposed to themselves perform in the West. We knew that the West had great venues and that they were venues that wouldn't be fucked with. It's not like going downtown where certain people show up and next thing you know, you got cops or special gang police. No one's coming to the West Island. So we can we had a little bit more leeway. And I already had bourbon secured. Um we did a couple shows there already. So the first show you, you played it was Crazy K as the headliner. It was Mr. Wells, um, 
Crazy and I went a couple times to K103. We spoke to Don. Uh, we spoke to Nick. And they kind of gave us the blessing that, like, they're going to be there as part of the show. And we put their logo on the first flyer. Um, I think the second show got a little bit more, like, we upped the ante. Because I remember going to, like, find Borden on Walkley and, like, hand him tickets. And, like, we went out of our way to, like, pre-sell tickets for that event. And it was probably, like, three 350 people at the second West is Major. Mm-hmm. And there was probably about 200 people in the parking lot that didn't pay and waited till 12 o'clock and then went in. And I remember getting a call from Bourbon the following day and being like, my entire backyard is riddled with Heineken bottles. My entire parking lot is riddled with Heineken bottles and I don't sell Heineken. He's like, we can't do like, it was reckless. It was like a Houston parking lot party. You know what I mean? It was dumb. It was people chilling out there, rapping all night, cameras all night and cars. And it was bigger outside than it was inside. And we did like three or four successful ones. Um, it didn't end the best, but we don't have to go there. Uh, there was there was some some things that happened, but West is Major ended kind of in like a, a, a ruckus, we'll call it. But I wasn't there. I was I was long gone. I was at some girl's house doing my thing. I wasn't even there to see it. But uh, we had three successful West is Majors. They went really well, and then Bourbon never did a rap show again. Um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. I mean, it's just, look, it's just something that people don't know is that that's a real thing that happens in this city is that venues will like just fucking fly. Yo, the West Island banned hip hop for five years while I got into the game in 2012. Like during that period, it got banned for like five years. No hip hop was allowed in the West Island. Well, we were doing shows. Like, I mean, you, yeah, but that's Hodge's show. The whatever I think it was like when the ban got lifted or something like it was something big. It was like I remember reading well, headlines about it or something. I gotta I gotta tread carefully here, but Pioneer was another venue that we we ended. Mm. Uh, Pioneer got really weird with us and started talking about all kinds of stuff, and we had to we did like four or five shows at the Pioneer until we had to call them and tell them who our roster was, and then they would call the police and tell the police who the roster was. And that's when we stopped working with them. And they lost their liquor license like soon after. So it was like, even though Hodges and I meant well, like that second one, that was the end of the pioneer. And I remember Hodges having to go on the air and like clear his name and kind of like, there was some ministers that got involved and there was like some race cards pulled. There was, there was some ugly things that happened there. Um, but pioneer didn't play fair and neither did the police. And that was another venue. And then scratch was the last one where we were like, we can't like keep shutting down venues. It's not a good look. Rico Blocks performed at one of the scratch ones. I remember Mr. Bits and Dutch showing up. Um, and then we moved to Dorval and that's where you came in. So I really like the way that you delicately touched on that because yo, there is a systemic issue of uh, attacks on hip hop culture in this city from that level, like serious amounts mm-hmm. of shit that goes on. So I understand you're not able to go into details and I don't want to be DJ Vlad. I do want to say that it is cool that you brought it up and it needs to be kind of something people need to look into. You can go Google and read news articles on this oh. shit. It's fun. I think music recently is a recent example of a place that just banned hip hop shit within the last five, six years. Um, it's gross. So like, that's why I'm glad that you yeah, said it's it. It's gross and it's racist. Because it is what it's exactly that. Anyway. 
So it needs to be talked about more than it needs to delve into the details of it. But like what you said, bars collaborating with police officers to vet rappers to find out who the fuck, you know, like that is, ah, that is nuts. And then making up, and then making up stories why we can't report. That's serious. Making up stories, things that don't even exist just so that there's like a, a, a thing now. But even to that um, end, that explains possibly a little bit why it's hard to find a venue that'll host a rap show these days. Because there's a reputation. Because we burnt them all. Not... Dude, it's not even like, look, whatever might have happened, whatever might have happened, like the venue could have easily chosen to not prejudice against the entire genre. It seems like the venues are open up until a certain point. And uh, I like the Dorval bar because shout out to Dave Ritchie. He ran that thing and he honestly gave us free reign because he knew that we would never fuck around. He knew that we weren't there to cause any shit. And anytime we did or there was shit, we, we held... I mean, Chris, the bouncer, took care of shit. Whenever there was a problem, like, he would grab the guy and throw him out of the fucking place, and that was the end of it. Like, we had a venue that I was comfortable in, and we did probably 100 shows there. Once we found our, our spot, and, like, it wasn't West is Major with every hood in the city and 300 people in the parking lot, and it was just our, like, 45, 50 people, like, we prospered. We had a great time. The... Last 20, 30 shows, I remember Hodges and, Hodges and I saying, like, we don't even take money anymore. We just give the money to SRH to fund his rap career. Like, it's not even about us. It's like, let's make whatever we can and give it to Ben, and Ben does something with it. Mm. Like, reinvest in the in the business. Um, those shows didn't make a lot of money, though. Like, I think the best one we ever did was SoulCon. We brought, we brought SoulCon from New York, which was a crazy move. Um, it was supposed to be... Bender, rest in peace, Sharon, Pesci, and Solcon, which would have been like single-handedly like the best rapper, battle rap, rap show with those three. Um, didn't end up happening. We got a couple of those names and Sharon performed a couple weeks later or months later. But uh, we brought Solcon from New York. And there was kids who traveled from like upstate New York to Montreal to this bar in Dorval to watch SoulCon, which was kind of cool. Uh, so maybe like got... so SoulCon? Did... Well, no, but just to like the, the, the traveling thing, we you did that contest and there were dudes coming from like middle of Ontario. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Nate. No, Nate. what's his name? Oh, Dan doesn't sleep. Dan Steele. That's it. Because that guy yeah. left his USB or something. And that was a whole, Kingston. that was a whole Ruckamaroo mm -hmm. or whatever. I will never forget that. It was a big like, there was a kid from Kingston, and there was a kid from Cornwall also. Yeah, the Kingston. Yo, that, that guy is so cool. But yo, that night was that yeah. night was so cool. Like, I didn't even realize it was you that did that until you sent me those links in the chat. I, like, I didn't even make the connections or the dots. Like, oh, shit, he knows who the fuck I am a little bit because he judged me one day. Oh, that night, I feel bad that Ben was mean to you. Nah, he wasn't mean to me. Uh, I didn't take it like that. Um, I mean. He did good because I feel like he could he could easily have been, like, a little bit of a jerk. I don't know. I, I didn't. I, it might have been. I mean, I think there's a degree of he heard what my name was and he felt away. To be fair, his name was SRH. My name was HSR. 
So, like, I can completely understand how when you find out a guy's here with basically, like, fucking three letters in a slightly different order. But then I'm like, yo, but it's holding Stefan Roy. And he's like, but son of the right hand. And I'm like, we've reached an impasse, but we've chosen a name for very similar reasons. And I felt like it was an understanding. And then he spent the rest of the night being like, but change your name. Like like a Jewish comic. You want to get over it. Like, but not, like, right. in a bad way. But, like, in a I don't know shit all about you kind of bonding kind of way like that's how i interpreted okay. the moment I yeah mean, like, like let's 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 prove it to each other kind of thing yeah like listen i mean it is what it is i'm not changing my name and you're not changing your name we both happen to be here and let's be real i've got mistaken for him he never one time got mistaken for me <laughs> right well like, he was a little more established at the yo, time obviously he is ill like watching his performances earlier i was like yo that is before i met him he'd be pissed if he knew that we were watching those Oh, is he? I know he cleaned the internet. I don't, I don't know. Well, here's the thing. I know that one day I went to go look his shit up because I was just feeling it. There was like one, two songs from him that I fucking was like bumping regular at that time because I had met him and I looked into his music. I have one of his CDs and I'm like, nah, shit, I fucks with this guy. Like I was like, whatever, if I have to, at least whatever. He's like, when you see you put money behind him, I don't think people know how good he is. Like album after album killed the performances and shit like when i met him i was like you're srh like it wasn't like what, no, you know. he's, he's real good and he's still he's even more powerful i mean he's out in la and this is what he does there's two people since i started this with the exception of hodges who kind of took a back seat to his own personal career to do bigger and better things obviously he does but, wonderful things oh my god and and we can get there by the way because the first couple tours i was with him it was it was him and i um but Dirtwork and SRH, Ben. Those are the only two that I can think of off the top of my head that never did anything else and never had any aspirations but to be who they are today. Mm. Like Ben worked at the airport for like six months. That's the only time he ever had a job. You know, I don't think Dirtwork like Dirtwork makes music. That's what he does. Those are the only two guys that I can think of since like I have known them that have never stopped and are where they are today for that reason. You know, there were just won a Grammy, fuck. Just won a Grammy, that's my friend, won a Grammy. Yeah. Wow, that's right? Like, and so and cool. Ben's out there, like, he's signed, he has all kinds of things happening, he's putting out music. You know, he's he's doing what he has to do. He's, he's a full-time musician in, in California, so good for both of them. That's, that's perseverance. That's doing something and never quitting no matter what. And look where it got them. Yeah, I love that energy. No, for real. Like, like it's it's pride to me. Like, look at that. Like, there are cool people that do things. Because sometimes there's that misconception. Yo, shut up, meticulous. I see you. Uh, that uh, misconception. Shut up, meticulous. Yeah, that's the fun part. Is like you get to see the names coming through in the chat, and it's like I'm uh, not on the chat, but we went to high school together. He was a great youngin. Hmm. And we learned little Lizzie. nuggets like that. Look at that little meticulous. Right? He's in he's in Toronto now, right? No, he's uh, you're meticulous. You're back, right? I think he's back. He's uh, back? Okay. I'm pretty sure I haven't spoken back. to him in years. Again, cool dude. We never really we I we kicked it a couple times probably at shows and stuff, but like never got to really get to know him, unfortunately. But ah. as far as I know, what's real years. dope is meticulous gave us like four hours already, and so you can go peep that video and then we're gonna have okay. him back in April for another little bits of hours. I hope you remember meticulous. I have you on the calendar, I need a picture. Um <laughs> <laughs> but like uh yeah, so 
And that's kind of what this is. People who don't know you are going to be able to watch this and learn more about you. And that's why I really yeah, love man. doing this. This is way cool, actually. Like, this is a fun way to spend a Monday. And, 100%. I'm here. And, like, you know, we're still at the, like, kind of beginning parts of when shit got interesting. Well, I got, I got stoned and then I lost my train of thought, so. That's okay. just got to get back to it. Nah, I keep track of it all. We're at the part where you were praising dirt work and um, Hodges, and you guys were in the storyline uh, doing a bunch of shows. Apparently, you did 100 shows in the West Island, and I only heard of one. So so we did this Dorval bar. Dave Ritchie, the manager at the bar, really hooked it up to the point where like I was almost staffed there. Like, really yes, hooked but it up. You guys up. really did like 100 shows. Like You got to understand. Like that's, that's So like... It, was, it, was called, it was called End of the Month, and... In between, we were doing a bunch of other shows, maybe not 100, but 50, 60 shows at least. Um, end of the month, what we did was we ripped off the uh, Bone Thugs first of the month artwork. And the first of the month artwork is like drippy red font, except it didn't translate well at end of the month on a t-shirt with drippy red font. It was like, it looked like menstruation you know, like that time of the month, it's just like a drippy red. We never sold the t-shirt. We had to throw them all into the crowd because no one wanted to buy this <laughs> t-shirt that said end of the month with like blood dripping down it. It was a terrible, terrible logo. Um, but but end of the month happened for, for a couple of years. Um, you name it, like all the guys from that era, they all did at least one, if not two or three. Um, I got a good one for you. Your boy Clarity did one of the last ones ever. Maybe the last one ever. Um, and this was during his like delinquent stage where you couldn't really tell him anything. I'm good. And I'm good him and I story. have a great relationship. Like, yeah, sorry? I'm, I'm good with any Clarity story right now. because we. That's what I'm saying is I know that you, you had that amazing paragraph and I felt kind of a part of that. So I want to tell you another good story, which is not a good story, but it's a funny story. It's okay. Um, he, he's, he's reckless. He's, he's a little wild. This is still green mohawk clarity and uh he's 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 intoxicated and he starts performing and he sees a bottle of jack daniels at someone's table so there's like three or four guys sitting with a bottle and meyer the shit disturber that he is drunk walks up to the table grabs the guy's bottle like the guy probably spent 120 dollars on a bottle of jack daniels brings the guy's bottle onto the stage and starts chugging it, like disrespectfully drinking the bottle. And the guy walks up, punches him in the face, and Clarity keeps rapping, doesn't miss a beat. He takes one in the face and keeps rapping. Like he goes like this, spits some bars, the guy comes up, swings on him, and he just keeps going. And then security comes, grabs the guy. We have to explain that Clarity fucked up. We wait till Clarity's set's done. We bring, we bring Clarity outside with the guy, they have like a moment. They kind of apologize to each other. Everyone's good. We're back inside. The night continues. Performances are finished and we're hanging out. And Clarity's at the table with the guys that he drank from their bottle, which he's wasted. So he shouldn't be there. And that was the mistake was letting him stay there. And the next thing you know, he's underneath the table and there's kicks and we got to separate them again. And at that point, people have to go home because it's just like, it's enough. You know, you guys are like, you're just starting shit for the sake of starting shit. And I don't know who's right and wrong at that point, but I remember that being one of the last Dorval shows when Clarity took a punch in the face and kept rapping. 
I mean, that's an epic story. I don't care. Anyone it was says. a fun one. Clarity, if you ever see this, it's all love. You're still, you're, yo, Clarity got like top performer like that year or the next year for Cult Montreal. Like right around that time, I'm pretty sure part of how he wins this award is getting shit like getting, yo, like he would do wild shit. I watched a girl pee on stage while he was performing and he just right. kept performing, okay? I don't know if you ever seen something like that, but that was the wildest shit I ever saw. I was on right before him. I get off. He goes on. The lady goes on and literally urinates on the stage and he finishes wow. the set. And like, what are you going to do? Interrupt it? It was wild. It was, it was at that. That grind was part time. of his set? Like he, no, he, this girl just, they came on, they were all dancing just came, and they just, just pissed. Find out if he didn't plant that. Ask him if he didn't plant that. I nah, feel like that I know him. for a fact he didn't because we've because I was on the right before him and we've talked about it since and we were both okay. like, nah, that was some fuck because it was at Grindhouse or whatever, which was the mm -hmm. grimiest shit ever. And like, nah, these are just fucked up people. And this, this, because like, yeah, for me, it was cool because right before these girls came on stage while I was performing, and there was like six of these chicks on stage just dancing. And I'm the whole time trying to avoid them all because my girlfriend's right in front of me. And I'm like, nope, not getting in trouble tonight. Yeah, be careful. Clarity comes on stage. He's also behaving. Girl who still urinates, and it was just it was just a moment that went down, and I just watched him just gracefully maneuver the whole scenario, and I always admired his ability to just do that, handle those live moments just like flawlessly. Mm -hmm. Special guy. Yeah, man. I'm. I'm, I'm I remember. Uh, I remember having a couple of really like deep talks with him, and like we bonded a couple times. That's that's a solid person right there. Yeah, I think so. My first interview on the like actual sincere run that we started that you're on now, which is the most recent one, uh, was when I was in Toronto and I went to his little studio thing and I was with him and I'm all like sweaty and disgusting and uh, it's a terrible video in my opinion because you know how it is. But like it was the first time. I'm sure Meyer liked it. I'm sure it's not a terrible video. I just... You know what it is but like it was cool like he, he he like hooked me up like that to me it's like yo you didn't have to like take time out of his day to come like let me come through like that you know no, he likes you yeah but we had it like we had to talk like that you know like it's not like we're, we're like friends it's more like acquaintances and so that's more of a spirit of his character at that point i mean now i would say okay i know i'm a little better but even then you know like i just I know now it's like different but like i would say it's a spirit he's just that kind of guy and it was really cool and then it just kind of yeah. led me on this journey and you start realizing yo all these artists know shit <laughs> all these people know things and everybody knows things so it's uh it was fun and so now i'm always happy to talk cool about clarity but like so you were effectively involved in the scene in like one of the the most vibrant eras of it i was very fortunate uh to have lived in a time where Montreal rap was actually popping and looking back, like, I don't really know what's going on now, but it was wild that you had so many different boroughs, different parts of the city that all kind of fucked with each other. There was no birds versus DG versus there was none of that. It was like, everyone kind of came together for a common cause and they were, they were united for a, for a short amount of time. There was a lot, a lot of talent, a lot, a lot. The talent pool was was prevalent. It was in the forefront, which is maybe the case on the French side, but on the English side, that's that's rare. I don't I don't know. Maybe it's just my generation. Like I'm thinking that my generation's the one, but I don't know of another time where it was like you had the magnums and the eye blasts and 
the Millie Mills and the Boy Blues and all these guys that were just one after another talents, like mm, not just talents, but like they 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 did it. They made real real good music. So there's good a rapper. whole lot of people today that make real good music. It's weird. It's we're in a situation where at the music level, even like the video and promo level, like there's a lot of talent. I have a 10 hour playlist right now of just Montreal and I can put it on shuffle and I never hear bad. Like people can say what they'd like about Montreal, but I can listen and it's all within the last year. So it's like English and French or all English. Okay. I can tell you with a thousand percent certainty that you can pick a lane in Montreal of any style you want. And there's at least 10 motherfuckers currently and active making music that are good enough. And I say good enough because maybe they don't have the, the money backing them to pull off some of the bigger level moves to get the visibility or top tier engineering or whatever, whatever. But from a talent perspective, is that necessary? I don't know if that's necessary. Top tier engine. Like I'm just, little Wayne was putting out song uh, albums 10 years ago recorded on a laptop you know what i mean and okay top tier engineering no decent engineering yes uh you got mercury mercury's not expensive mercury's not free economics ain't mercury's not expensive the wealth listen if you're if you're working a job you can afford mercury like i'm not i mean i'm a guy who's just okay look i'm in a position where i've always i'm just an independent artist that's paid for it myself so like i i agree with you but I also listen to the world and know that I can afford it on a lot of privilege shit. So I don't know what other people's life circumstances are like. So it's hard for me to go on the other side of the fence and imagine it. I don't have the experience where you don't have a cushy job and you can afford to smoke the amount of weed I can type shit. So I try to take the path of empathy and go, it's more complicated. I might not be right with that and it might be a blind spot. Whereas you've seen a completely different way of pulling it off. You were touching on it a little bit beforehand. So why don't you, uh, before we went like live with regards to the money situations and how to pull off some shit. So like, how do you get all of this put together if you're like not rich? <clears throat> I mean, I wasn't making any money when I was doing rap shows, any, that was probably the, as far as earning, that was the lowest point. And, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate to be blessed with, uh, the gift of gab being able to articulate being able to explain i have a background in sales i mentioned so like for me to go into a world where uh it's it's corrupt you know bars in montreal and rappers it's like the more negative the more like if you're a criminal you're more respected than if you're like a stand-up guy so to navigate through that it was like just be honest, be a hundred percent and be genuine and like smile. I remember smiling at the door at like West's major shows and shaking people's hands as if it's like, you know, casino and I'm, I'm Robert De Niro. You know, like I'm happy to see you. Welcome. Yo, and these guys are That's you know? huge. I there was, there was no, a, no, no, but even, just let's pause there. You know, I can't say that I've really gone to a local show or like, I mean, that's not true. I've gone to a few local shows where that's happened, where they, they got greeted. Max Mupese is a guy who did that shit. Give him his flowers. Uh, and I remembered him for the rest of my life. I know his name and I can say it today. And it's actually really powerful because he actually took the time to stop and like talk to me as the promoter guy at the door and whatever. So if you're going to drop a huge ass knowledge nugget like that, we do have to stop and make sure people Respect. hear what you just said there. That was like fucking going to make some people some money if they write that down type shit. What did I say? 
uh, greet people at the door. Yeah, greet them. Uh, like Walmart. Not only that, but do. after twelve o'clock, after twelve o'clock, the show is free. And I remember having people waiting because they couldn't afford it. I'm just like, okay, we're gonna put on the fucking main event right when it becomes free, so that everyone's inside now. That was a, that was another little one where it's like. It was at the West's major shows. There was probably 15, 20 people that just weren't going to pay. And I knew that they were out in the front and not paying. So it's like everybody in now. You know, it's time. Yo, that's I'm great sure too. Look. So, I mean, because, yo, we live in a content era and where things are a little different. Eh? Um, I don't know if the whole landscape looks the same because all the social introverts are out to play now on the internet. Um, so there's a lot more people out there. Uh, so the landscape shifted. But if you're trying to replicate some of this shit now, Getting a bunch of free people in there is way better for the gram than getting your show and not having it look cool. Because, yo, on some business tips, nobody wants to go to the show that looks like it has an empty bar on, like, a consumer front. Like, when I see your live footage after and I'm like, nah, I know how many people are there. Like, it doesn't enthuse me. I'm not saying I won't go, but I'm going on some networking shit, not because I'm thinking this is going to be the litest shit. Because I saw the other 17 live shows where we all performed at and I'm like, nah, that ain't it. You make it mad cheap and free for a couple losses here and there. You build us some brand equity and buzz. Now motherfuckers know who you are and not your shit's litty. Every every month consistency or every week consistently, that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, if you enjoy what you do, do it a lot. And do it with a schedule so that people know when to reach you. But you they know? don't expect to make bank. That's, that's yeah, but like our shows, our shows were, were Sunday night primetime was branded, you know, end of the month. So it was always the last weekend of the month. Uh, Epic Mealtime was on a Tuesday every single time. So it's like, if you can tell your fan base the day that you're coming out with your shit, or at least that proximity, they're going to check for it. They're going to remember it. Um, and then consistency. Do yeah. what you, you enjoy doing and be consistent. Love it. And I, I like it yeah. because, like, I mean, I try to do that. And my, my calendar, it's very predictable at this point. Um, if, if I really care, but like, so I, I hear you're putting you're out weekly. Yeah, we got almost daily. These shows. interviews are coming out weekly. I know you have a bunch of other things, but nah, these, these are weekly? Uh, three times a week. So it's Monday, okay. Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. Yeah, this is the easiest shit in the world for me to do. And we don't have to edit. No, and you're creating such a. You're, you're creating such an archive, and you put these out on YouTube afterwards? Absolutely. And shout out Chris oh. Crown for the clips. We're going to get some clips. Your, your watch time, you're going to be monetized within a year, homie. I've Just been keep monetized since 2017 or whatever. I'm My gonna... man. Nah, I thought this was brand new. Nah. Um... I got, I got to interview K Reno out of nowhere in like 2018 because my cousin's a super fan. So that actually was dope. Okay, that's uh, a big one. I started album reviews in uh, end of 2016. Uh, I know a lot about SEO. I worked with Justice McFly and Day Job Line doing SEO. He taught me a lot about SEO. Yeah, a little bit. So you got to keep in mind that guy who's now doing so well in life, it's it's ridiculous. He's a hero. Honestly, he's a hero, that guy. Everybody should know who he is. Um, Justice? Yeah. Yo, you look at that's his life, brother. he's super dad. Fucking flying around the world, spending rich people's money. It is like, yo, if I could have the dream corporate life, it's it's what he's doing. And I just admire him every day. And I, I'm just grateful that for, I guess, a little bit, he played a little mentor role in my life for a couple of little things here and there. And now I appreciate the blessing that that is that I didn't appreciate at the time. Um, he knows Your name it. came up. Your name came up. I, I mentioned that I was doing this interview. I was at his spot. We were learning crypto together. And... I mentioned I mentioned your name and I said I got this interview and he said nothing but nice things. He said that's that's a stand up cat. So 
it only added to the fact that I was like, okay, I'm doing this. Nah, I mean, you know, right. uh, CL, CL gave the blessing, and then Justice just put it over the top. I hope CL gives the blessing. I have... C CL and I have a music video as well. It was the last one that I ever filmed on myself. Of. That's amazing. Um, we, nah. we have a great. Have you seen? Uh, I think you should leave I... on Netflix. Maybe. It's a sketch comedy, no... uh, like mini. Okay, so I think you should leave. I forget the guy who did it. It's it's twenty on ten funny. Okay. Check it out. Not every skit hits, but majority of them are very, very good. And CL did a track called I Think You Should Leave. Um, and I grabbed clips from the actual episodes and threw it into his video. And it's it's coming out in the next couple of days, or if not, like today or tomorrow. Oh, is it a weekly very fun hit? Is this one yeah, we have a one-eyed dog in it. We got one of his buddies. There's, there's some fun things. I promise yeah. you, if it comes out, it will be in my DMs possibly twice all love to cool man logan and i will give him Same. feedback on the song and then he'll be like did i send you this and i'll be like yeah we already talked we had a whole yo did i tell you justice is on the weekly heat 15 i'm like yeah we, we had a whole conversation about him like two days ago <laughs> now nah, but cool man logan he's one of my favorite people like for real i talked to cool man i didn't I never thought there'd be a time at my because I don't know who the fuck he was. Like I just knew who he was through end of the week because he just showed up one day mm -hmm. and I watched him freestyle and I'm like, oh, oh, I can't freestyle for shit. This was last summer. He's one of the better ones in in on the planet. So and then at one point uh, we show up at a park and I'm, I realize who he is at this point because I guess I'd seen him on Facebook, whatever you know, along the way. But I like I meet him on the the free you know you see him on end of the week. Then we end up in this the end of the week barbecue. And he's tripping because he can't find a place to roll a joint. And it's COVID, so he doesn't want to share a joint with anyone. So I happen to have a bunch of pre-rolls, and I give him one. And he's like, you motherfucker, now I have to do your interview. And I'm like, yeah. And uh, then, uh, I don't know, he just started talking more and more. And now I talk to Cool Man Logan almost daily. And he's, like, asking me questions like, why we ain't done a, what did he call it? Like a live J or something where, like, we smoke a joint on a call. And I'm like... Oh, I didn't know that's things people do. I didn't know people did that. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we're homies now. Cool, cool, man. It's, it's I'm like, that's dope. So, yeah, I fucks with him so heavy. He's like, he's amazing. His, his interview, oh, my gosh, that was one of the best. I was like, his mind is wonderful. It is one of the most wonderful minds I've ever talked it's to. It's moving at such a level. You got to kind of like figure out where it is. Oh, but I followed You're it. I felt like his thoughts as he's as he's talking. You know, he's a special guy. I danced with him, is what it felt like. It felt like dancing. There you go. And I loved it, and it was one of my favorites. But yeah, uh, that's cool though. That, that murder face, that that murder face video that we did a hundred years ago. My favorite part is just the break in the action CL, and then at the end, him talking about Boreal beer. Yeah, like the video is fine, but CL made that whole thing for me. I couldn't not put that in the video. It's like. Yeah, it's it so breaks great. up the fact that there's so much rapping going on and so many bars. There's like there's an intermission and then there's like a conclusion. Yeah, it was I, fun. I agree. It makes it memorable. It make because you honestly like you can just throw the song on, right? And now you have a reason to go back to the video done tastefully because it's just hilarious. I heard Cool Man mm -hmm. Logan's version. Like, I don't know everybody. I just showed up. I was just whatever, and then I spit my shit. And I'm just like, Yo, Cool Man Logan, you're fucking hilarious. But like, it really is my favorite part of that video. It is great. It is. It sells it. Not to say that the rest of the video is bad or anything. I like Vince Price busting out in the middle of that hallway or whatever. But it's not. That, that was at Concordia. Straight up. 
it was upstairs like second floor concordia and we just grabbed like in between two lockers and like until we got booted out and then we went into a classroom we got booted out we were just getting thrown out of everything that day mm. it was fun and then we went outside and filmed because we we're booted out of concordia <laughs> Yeah. But, but even in that, right, it goes to show it's just you work with what you have and you just make do with it. And as long as you just roll them with it, you're going to get it. Was, there was no results. plan that day. There was no like we're going to we're going to do this here. There was nothing. It was literally you say, like you guys walked into the bar and just asked if you could film because there's nobody there. That's it. That's yeah. it. We wanted to get like a drink in us before we started just to like loosen up a bit. And I kind of just spoke to the bartender and and maneuvered a little bit and we did the first verse in the bar and the second verse in the stairwell <laughs> just that's how it, how it uh yeah i like it i like it a lot though because it's like it just like i pulled off a charity show by accident before covid it didn't happen but it was supposed to happen so i can say i didn't fail but uh it basically was like uh make a wish and my company were doing a thing and i wanted to fundraise with opportunities i thought were wiser this is where i have to watch my p's and q's so i wanted to approach fundraising wiser so i'm like why don't we throw a rap show and they're like okay and then i did like three or four days later we had everything figured out we found a bar that was willing to waive the fee for charity we found a dj that was willing to waive the free that came with four rappers so it is what it is um we found everything for free, including design, which was Canva, because now we live in an era of Canva, so your flyer can't ever look bad again. I'm sorry. Uh, my flyers can't because I'm not a designer, but your flyers shouldn't if you're a person and if you, if, you, if, you, if you can't do it like you're me, pay somebody at that time. When it's well, Shemi used to do the flyers with me. All of our flyers were done by Shemi, and Shemi is fully colorblind, so I had to sit with him. Wow. Just to make sure we, we got that right. So man said all this editing and everything and completely colorblind. I I think he sees some colors, but not all of them. Wow. Yeah. That's wild, eh? That is, that is. Like that's like a way to be involved in the process too. That must have taught did, you a did whole all, bunch. If you check my if you check my Facebook, all the West is major flyers, all done by Shemi. Uh except for the last one. And uh all the, the videos. I mean all those videos you played before, that's all Shemi. Yeah, it's it's great. Shit. Like I'm really grateful you shared that with me because I don't think I would have found any of those things. Cause I mean, like, why would I like like look for half those keywords? Um, but like you shared that, and it's like a treasure trove of like this snapshot of this patch of Montreal people that now like are forever immortalized in a sense. Like you can go one. reference that shit and go make commentary on them and it would be legit because it exists. Well, it's, some of those guys are still active. I'm not saying that they're not. I'm saying that like, just in general, some of them still, they yeah. still do it. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm, I didn't mean it like in that regard. I meant it like in, in no, the no. general sense of that patch of time more being captured and not requiring to talk to anybody. You could just go like, look at it and just catch like 15 of these guys' live performances and be like, yo, this is what was here now. What the fuck? Every, like, you don't need those people if you can find enough of the footage. It, like That's what I'm trying to say. Like From a documentarian point of view, you're never getting half these people to show up and play a schedule game with you. So you have to start thinking creatively about what exists to actually prove what exists. So just that, that seeing that channel. These conversations. What? These conversations and those videos. Yeah. That's, 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 that's all that's left. 
but it's dope. A lot of those shows, the the early ones, the West is majors and and big up to to K103 because a lot of it doesn't happen without them, obviously. Uh, but full course, uh, my brother. Uh, who else? Maybe iBlast, Guru affiliated, like these guys. It's maybe even Boy Blue. Like first performances were all on that stage. Guys that had careers way after, you know. I can't say that those are their first performances, but I know that a lot of them it was their first performances, mm. and it was just like that's what spawned them going off and doing their thing. So very fortunate to be a, a part of that. No, it's mad. It was, it was really special. Um. I felt like a big shot back then, way more than the epic mealtime days. When I was walking around and I was like, I do rap shows in Montreal, that was that was the biggest chip on my shoulder of all time. You know what, It was though, fun. It's like, it's cool, though, because it, like, you, I don't know, man, like, that contest thing you did was a big thing for me because it was the first time I had found some shit on my own. Well, I mean, I just shared it on Facebook, but found it kind of mm -hmm. on my own and then, like, reached out. But, you know, that shit was, like, it wasn't just everybody came. You guys had like a vetting process of sorts, even mm -hmm. if it was fake. There was a lot of planning. There was a like a lot of planning. We wanted to do like four or five of those. And then I remember I passed and I was allowed to come. And then Clarity was there. And I'm like, no shit. You guys put me in Clarity's tier. And you don't know what you did there. No, I mean, not necessarily like the same quality of performer or shit, but like the fact is being there at the same thing with him means I'm clearly not like the guys who couldn't be there. Right. And yeah. Then, we had to, we had to cut probably like half a dozen people and just be like, no, sorry guys. So yeah. Like I wasn't, your, your I music or whatever is not on the level. I, I wasn't, I wasn't like there. I'm not, you know, like, I, so I was on that side, which was, like, dope for me. That psychologically, it was, like, you know, like, oh, okay, I can do this. And then I got mm -hmm. mentioned in the post-credit shits, like, I wish he didn't scream. Fair enough. That was useful. Nobody else got mentioned. There was four people that got mentioned. I'll fucking take that shit. I'll call that an honorable mention if I ever done heard some shit. Or Respect. backup yeah. or whatever. So, fuck that. That shit was huge for me. You guys don't even know how big that was for me. Because I'm Amazing. not I'm even happy that I was a part game. of and so uh, that's how i know you just so you know like when you said all this and, like you wanted to do the interview i'm like of course but i know you from that yeah i don't even remember that i, I know you from like the list of 12 that we had to go through and like pick who's gonna make it that's fresh was it was it 12 i think it was 10. it was 10. i remember that yeah but that was cool yeah. i mean i i don't dude i was like my seventh show or whatever i was like brand new i thought i was good i wasn't good now i'm okay i don't even think i'm good i'm okay there I lost a lot of weight. Once I get my dancing game on, I'll be good. Like the theatrical <laughs> side is down. The the live side is whatever. I've been doing this for eight years now. It's, it's what it is. You learn how to rap. <laughs> but like, yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah. But um, the, but yeah, that show was big for me too because I saw what Clarity did to win. And I was like, okay. Because there was steps mm -hmm. above. It was just steps above everybody else. He was good that night. He was great. I will never forget. Um, climbed on a speaker, grabbed a picture, did all sorts of shit. That I'm like, you can do that. And then I stole moves from Clarity, and it evolved my game. Soon after those shows, the the Dorval shows, um, Hodges comes up with Nutha Home, which spawns his entire career that he's he's doing to this day. But Hodges starts this this initiative with the Quebec government, where He's going to go and sing songs and interact with English speaking Quebec kids across Quebec 
and have them identify with Quebec culture and be proud to be who they are. Anglophone Quebecois in Northern Quebec. And guess who's coming with to document the entire thing? It was Hodges and I in his Tercel with speakers and amps and recording studio gear. And we're just driving north. And we're stopping at every elementary school and high school along the way. And we're talking to them about being proud of themselves and being creative. Like kids would grab onto his legs and like not want him to leave. Like, please don't go. You know the way like they, they locked down the entire gym and the entire schools there? It was for David Hodges. Like we did probably 20, 30 of those. And it was all across. It was, there's videos of all this, by the way. I filmed and edited all of them. But I remember being in the hotels at night editing Epic Mealtimes and Hodges' stuff at the same time. So we'd spend the entire day songs of freedom and glory and hallelujahs. And then at night, I'd like have to edit maple syrup being poured on women. <laughs> you know, like the contrast of the, the spiritual high of seeing kids, you know, gravitate towards David and filming that. And then at night, the debauchery that I had to edit, it was such a contrast for me that like, he didn't even want to hear it. He, he would, he would be like, don't even show me shit. Cause like, I'm trying to stay focused on my thing. And like, you could do that at night. I don't care. But like, I don't even want to see that negativity. And I remember that, like we did 20 or 30 of those, like not the homes. And it became new Janan, which is he, he evolved it into like an initiative for the first nations. And then long life started going. I don't know if you know, Marcus, he's another videographer that's from that era. Uh, he's a, he's still videographer, photographer. He's around today, but long life ended up going on a couple of those. And then Dre, who was a producer, ended up being the videographer that to this day still works with Hodges and does those, those first nations tours. And they, they have an entire record label. They produce music for all kinds of different first nations, different communities. I went with Hodges to one when I came back, man, to be in like those trailers where like you're in remote areas. There's no internet. I remember Hodges and I having to pick like who gets the pillow, who gets the blanket, you know, like limited, limited resources. And like the kids that we, uh, that we're teaching and, and dealing with, like they're crying because they've never heard their voice on, on, on recording before. And the amount of things that he was doing for them. And I'm kind of a schmuck. I ended up moving to LA and working with Epic Mail Time and Hodges went off and did probably the most special shit I've ever heard of, which is to this day, starting the record label and, uh, still goes out. I mean, COVID aside still goes out and does, uh, makeshift like studio. He brings his entire studio and records these kids on the spot, helps them write the music. It's special, man. It's, it's beyond special. It's, I've been stopped in the airport twice and not because of Epic Mealtime because of David Hodges and guys are like, yo, you, you're the guy with David Hodges. You know what I mean? Like special, special guy, the most, like yeah, he's just number one Yeah. as far as humans go. I don't... Like you said Tyler before, but Hodges is on that list. That's fair. 100%. I, I don't think I've ever met a person who ever said a thing bad about him. Um, he's always been mad encouraging anytime I interacted with him and I know him a long time, like a long, oh, he's long special. time. So special, just um, a good hearted, like awesome human being. So it's like, it's just cool to know that that's also our, our culture and history is part of it. Like Hodges comes through the scene and then just goes full altruism. Like he's, he's a beast. 
taking on 20, 30 different kids and recording them consistently. And all of those guys had aspirations. He took them all under his wing and helped them record. I mean, he's responsible for the entire West Islands, uh, like that section. You know what I mean? Like he had his own pocket where I don't think he was working. I think the recording sessions were paying his bills during that time. So like for him to be living at home and being like an engineer for other people, plus putting out his music, plus working on these initiatives, plus doing the shows with me. His brain was moving at such a level. So much faster. Your voice just got kind of weird for a second. What? Your voice got weird for a second. Nah, I don't know what happened. Uh, My phone might be dying. Was that like twelve percent? That might be it. Hear me better? Yeah, I cleaned it up. You cleaned it up? Okay. Yeah, my phone gave me a notification saying fifteen percent. So it's getting there. Fair enough. Yo, that's still, like, crazy to be a part of that experience and just to, like, know that that's what he was doing and just to even share that, like... Once we mentioned... We mentioned Epic Mealtime once on one of those tours where, like, Hodges, like, leans back. He's like, my cameraman from Epic Mealtime. And the kids went nuts to the point where I was signing his CDs after the show and we both went, like, we're never doing that again. Like, don't mention that. That's fucked up. Like, we ruined the, the attention from him went right to me. And it became a different thing, you know? So it's like, we made that mistake once. And it was like, no, no, shut up. Like, we're doing this for him, not because, like, we're trying to exploit whatever the fuck I'm up to. No? No, that's so honorable. But also, like, really responsible. And the kind of thing people should be aware of, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't It wasn't for that. That wasn't what it was made for. It was a couple pictures, and I'm just like, no, never again. I'm the cameraman. That's it. So, um... So what do you do after that? I know you, you were involved in other things. Yeah, I mean, after Epic and rap shows and all that, it's uh, it's videography at that point because I've been doing it for so long. I, I was running the post-production for Epic for four years and doing all the editing and, and all the extras, and it just evolved into a career. So, I mean, I have corporate clients. I, I advise a couple of different YouTube channels. I have my own YouTube channel that I'm working on. I mean... It's a constant thing, right? Uh, staying creative, staying busy, and making videos. That's that's what it's been since. Um, I don't promote those things because those are paid videos that clients pay me for. Yeah. I so mean, you won't see me like, you know, they you won't see me post those on. Uh, I'll share it on LinkedIn. If you have me on LinkedIn, you'll see stuff. But I'm not going to go on Facebook and post client videos. You know. Um, we did a podcast for a little bit. I have a, a buddy, uh, Brian Finley, who's like my brother, uh, and his business partner, Tyler, who's a great guy as well. Uh, they have a, an awesome setup where they invited myself and Blessed, who I didn't know before, uh, to come and try and do a show together. And we did probably about like, I don't know, a couple months of like trials and different, uh, different types of shows. And then we settled on an interview show and we did... I don't know, 15, 20 episodes. Y'all got like serious Bless. fucking guests. Bless is a serious dude. Bless is no joke. I, I only met Bless a couple years ago, but like I bought his album when I was in CJ. So like imagine me being Montreal hip hop, like in the know and then never meeting Bless, who's like the only other Jewish guy in the, in the game. And uh, 
Brian and I put Bless and I together. We sat at a bar on Dakari and we shot the shit and we became friendly. And we ended up doing a show. We had Snow on, which was huge for me. We had Raekwon. They grabbed Raekwon, uh, Frenchie, who's... Frenchie's one of the first people to ever put me on to any Montreal rap. First rapper to ever rap in front of me. Introduced me to Bad News Brown when I was a teenager. Like, Frenchie's the OG OG. And uh, Frenchie grabbed Raekwon pretty much because he has a relationship with him and brought him to Tyler's studio so that he can get interviewed by us. Like, didn't even give him a chance kind of thing. And forever indebted to Frenchie, but for a lot of reasons. Um, but yeah, we had, we had, I mean, Dawn on. We had, we had all the players in Montreal. We had Phil, who owns, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, what's the skateboarding store that kills it? Uh, um, Snowboard skateboards. I'm not uh, the right guy for that. I shit, know. I forget the name. We had, we had some big time. The, the Flores brothers, big DJs in the cities. Very fortunate to have met all of Bless's friends, and it was a, a great experience. Unfortunately, the show just didn't pick up in time. And they kind of simultaneously, Tyler and, and Brian, came out with a French version of the show as well, Rap Politique, which kills it. I mean, that show does numbers, real numbers. And they're still doing that show to this day. And I think COVID had something to do with it. And the fact that it's very hard to have Rake One on your show and then go to like, you know, whoever else is coming on. So it's like we kind of pigeonholed ourselves and like became dependent on the guest. And that's not something you want to do. You don't want to have a show that's dependent on the guest. You want to have yeah. a free flowing kind of whoever wants to come on should be able to come on. And that was always my uh, insight into the show was like, be more inclusive to the guests and don't make it so like elitist. And it, it became that very quickly. And I think we kind of shot ourselves in the foot, but I mean, I'd be down to do it again. It's just, it's gotta be under the right circumstance. And right now, to do a, a in-person like radio show, you know, like that that style, not for me. Yeah, I can't. There's none of hours in the day. I like this one-on-one. It's beautiful and it's it's from afar, so it doesn't require someone to Boom. travel to a studio. Yeah, Yo, you know what? It you know, didn't you... work for me until till COVID really said nobody's allowed to come to your crib no more, and I right? had to like pivot to the live. It was a pivot move. We had tried it one time and I fucked up, and I just put it off for like three months. But uh. Yo, the scheduling but meanwhile, conflicts. you have crazy guests now. Yeah, but like, the, yo, the scheduling conflicts, like everyone thinks real life's coming back and I'm going back to real life. It's like, nah, bro, we're, we're keeping it on Zoom for the rest of my this life. This is first, the show. First of all, I can't get motherfuckers not in Montreal if all I'm doing is fucking sitting there. And I got people from all over now that are talking to me, which is really fascinating and a blessing. But Dude, Poison Pen made me want to do this. I mean, I don't want to do that at this moment, but yeah, it was blessings. Uh, we got some. That cool was a people. big deal. It's, it's, it's just, it's all, yo, dude. Like, phew, I got to talk to Direct last weekend. Like all these fucking people. That's a legend. Like, like awkward's is like coming up. Like, like just. My... Tell him I say what up when you get on Hill. You'll get excited. He's on awkward's Twitch. and I are like old. He's on Twitch, dude. I'm just so like awkward's, <laughs> awkward's and I. I mean, he's the homie. Like we're 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 friend friends, and we were at the disaster battle together when Math Hoffa and Disaster got into the fistfight. Oh, shit. And I remember looking at him and, like, we're right next to the DJ booth. And I shouldn't even be telling you this, but I'm going to. In L.A., it's very different. Uh, they police themselves. It's not like Toronto where you get patted down and if you have something, you can't come in. It's the opposite in L.A. The people who have something in there are supposed to have something because that's how it'll get handled if it gets handled. And that night... I knew for a fact that a couple people were, were, were strapped 
And when that fight went down, I looked at awkwards and I said, I'm not going to catch a bullet. I'll see you later. And I gave him like a, and I ran out the fucking back door, jumped in an Uber and got the hell out of there. But there was a full on brawl and there was people there that if they got punched, it's not punching back. There was a red camera that I remember being held and seeing the camera like getting shook while people are brawling. And there's 15, 20 people like fighting in a ring now. And like, this could have ended very, very bad. We're very fortunate that nothing happened that night. But the tension in the room, even before that battle, I've never seen anything, anything to that extent. I remember being outside and seeing disaster in Math Hoffa. I have relationships with, with both of them, kind of. They know who I am. And I asked for a picture with both of them, and they both were like, fuck you. Like, why would you even start that shit? Like, don't be stupid, you know? And I was shit disturbing, 100%. I was just like, can I get a pic with? Like, they were like in the, each other's vicinity. And they were like, both of them, like, it's not fucking happening. And I don't even ask for pictures. I just wanted that picture. <laughs> not happening. It was major, major. Disaster showed up with probably a football team. And Hoffa showed up with, like, one dude. And, like, you could tell it wasn't kosher. Like, it was going to happen. Tonight's the night. Shit's going down. And it did. It was bad. Wow. It was real bad. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was fuck, man. I live three blocks from that venue. And, like, I got into a cab, an Uber, because I wasn't even, like, risking the walk. I was like, I'm getting out of here, out of here. Not for me. No, fair, fair enough. That's, uh, that's wild. That's, like, yeah, that's one of those situations where, like, I'm like, you know, that's 100% the things that I don't want to be around personally, uh, just because I'm not really that kind of guy. I don't like Zoom. But, like, I'm also not going to necessarily not go to a battle rap event on some fear shit either because I don't think that's... Like... And I'll tell you something. It's, I, I, I apologize even for, for going in the negative direction no. because I've been to so many yeah. I've been to so many events where it's such a good vibe. Guys like Organic and Gully, what they do is, like, they take their time and they speak to the fans at the intermissions. They'll put their arm around people. They'll take a picture. It's, it's very much a family environment. It just so happens that that one event, yeah, there was, was a lot of built up. I just up. wanted to, like, yeah. Because, I mean, now I'm making friends with a lot of battle rapper people. It's like a whole new adventure for me. I didn't even know. What a, what a great community. I was I was fortunate enough because uh, I'm, I'm friends with Lowe's. And, and Pesci's, like, a god-tier battle rapper, especially during that time. Um, so a lot of those events, he would be like, and I drove, he didn't drive. So it would be like, we get into the, I had a big old Fleetwood at the time, like a three-block-long Cadillac. And we'd throw the merch in the trunk and we'd just go to all these events. Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal, didn't matter. Um, yeah, there was there was a time where like I didn't miss an event for two, three years. Where if you go on the King of the Dot YouTubes now, they'll show the staff with all their Twitter handles. My my Twitter's still there to this day. Mm. So like uh made an impression with clarity those guys just popped in at the point where we weren't talking about him. <laughs> Well, we weren't talking about him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, shut up, Meyer. Rewind, rewind later, Meyer. Yeah, we got some good stuff about you. That's true. That happened. All, all good. All great. Um, yeah, man. Nah, that's still blessed, man. Cause yeah, I mean, for me, it's like a discovery. But yeah, so it's fucking cool to. But yeah, back great to, discovery. Like, but the whole like one-on-one -on -one interview thing, dude. This is the shit, man. I we've had a couple where like another person um is like there and i find it like it's a harder vibe like what people i feel like it just is this is it man people want to see that conversation you would have offline that you're having online and it's all on the reels and shit and like yo you watch a million other interviews and stuff and like 
like my homeboy Lindell will show up in the comments and be like, what's the top five rappers? And I'm like, I mean, okay, cool. We'll ask it. But like, you know that that's on like every other interview that you're going to, you know, like it's going to be there. So like, that's not a differentiators. And like we were saying, it's hard to like differentiate and come up with some engaging thing where it's not completely relying on it. I guess that's why I talk so much. I got told flat out, you don't talk enough. If you, if you just let the rappers or whoever you're guesting talk and you don't own like a solid chunk of that time, you're never going to have recurring fans. So True. I, I balance it out with a percentage where it's super heavy in the guest at first, but then I have to start throwing in my own life stories and shit. And that's kind of what got Mer Merker Miyagi invested in me because it was like, who's the guy behind that suit? And it's like, that's kind of important. Though. But if you want to know, you have to watch like 70 interviews. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you're getting more comfortable. I mean, we're going back and forth as if we're off air. Yeah, you said it. But this is the there's there's no the difference between what we were saying ten minutes before we went on. Now, it's it's the same tone. It's the same kind of conversation. So. Yeah, but I do it on purpose. Like this is every episode. We we're coming up to the two hour point. This is when I got pointed out to oh, me yeah. somewhere around the two hour point. It's when the hair gets slowed down. I got the feeling it might not go as far. Sometimes I get a little more comfy faster. You got me into like myself and my memories, so it came in a little quicker. You 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 flipped that on. Good, me. that's what it was. But it's I didn't realize our stories connected so like like that. Like how meaningful you were to my story like that. So I had no idea. So it was kind of big. But in general, yeah, no. By the second half of the interview, when they go past two hours, that's like when it's just mad. Like we just shooting the shit about whatever. We talk marketings. We talk all the things. It just depends who the person is and how we get to in the conversation. Like for me, it's like, yo, like we're peers discussing things peers would discuss. That's that's kind of like the show, but we bridge gaps because you know a lot of things I don't know. I know things you might not know. Meyer knows things neither of us know. All that kind of shit. And then we extract mm -hmm. knowledge. That's why I pitch it the way I do. It's all it is. It's real simple. And then... Your, your story is just interesting like yo thank you everything that you're the way you think is just so profound like you're the kind of guy that doesn't have to brag and you got a bunch of trees behind you it's cool wallpaper right eh? it's like a like an accent wall right ah, see that that's nice it's kind of cool right yeah my girlfriend um, the trees <laughs> yeah it's it, i got one in my bedroom too that's more of a forest it's nice when the lights are off. It like you feel like you're outdoors. I just need some hanging plants so that like some vines come inside. That's the next step. COVID made me decorate my place a lot more than I thought I would. I spent a little bit of money on my interior decorating skills because what else are you gonna do, right? You're home. So I, I decided to go live on the internet every day, <laughs> which is which is a great fucking move, dude. Um. I don't know. It's I, I agree. It is. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. It's a fucking great move. It's working out pretty fucking. Trust well me, YouTube. Me. YouTube wants that long, long it's format YouTube, content. Man. Well, I mean, YouTube's cool, but I'm not really gaining love on YouTube right now. So that's why I moved to Twitch actually, because a the money's t tighter. Like I got my first Twitch yep. payout, and I'm like, yo, that's a lot faster than on YouTube when it was like seven cents a day for a minute. Okay. Um, uh, so Twitch is the bomb. If you're ever going to do something live, make sure you do it on Twitch because you get monetized faster with copywritten material. So what I'm going to do actually is go through those freestyles from the noise people you described before, whose name I can't remember fully, but I know I'm going to Google it and I have it down somewhere. And we're going to live react to those in the future because I don't fuck. Why don't I do that? You know, like, but that's the shit you can do on, on Twitch where on YouTube you get pop, pop, popped like that. So cool. I'll right. stream it to Twitch. 
but I stream shit to other platforms to advertise my Twitch because I don't go fuck about the other ones. Twitch, quite is, the same. Twitch is the format. Because it's the for fu- live makes sense. But what's the future? Is the future video on demand? Kinda, but I think the future is live VR. I'm talking ten years. Yep. I'm not talking like five years, and I'm not even planning for five years. I'm always planning ten years down the line now. So I want to make sure that even if I'm shooting myself in the foot for immediate success, when the time comes that the expertise of 10 years of fucking experience in a game comes, you're a millionaire. It's just over at that point. Like you can just on corporate there. clients alone get consulting money like that. Uh-huh. And then funnel that back to the peeps. That's my dream. You look at, you look at some of the bigger players and like my domain is YouTube, but like you look at some of the bigger players and uh, they're, they're pushing towards a long format and they're pushing towards a live format. A lot of them are doing hour, two-hour podcasts with like one other person, two other people. So even the old school, you know, the the dinosaurs, um, they're coming, they're coming to terms with it. It's because of Joe Rogan, Drink Champs, and Joe Budden. Yeah, there's too much it money helps. attached to those three to not convince really stock like people to push this shit. But the other side is virtual reality, and everyone sees it coming. Microsoft has Allspace VR, and they just threw their big annual Microsoft's The Shit conference in Allspace VR, because what else are you going to do? You can't go anywhere. Right. And you can it's use- all augmented reality, fake fake uh, navigating through things, right? Like like actually um, genius marketing. You know these guys? I've heard of them. I've known them for probably 12, 15 years, and they've pivoted over the years, and I mean, I got my first set of business cards. They used to do CD covers when I knew them. And they're all augmented reality, working with Panasonic and all these big names. Samsung, I think it was, not Panasonic. but uh, And they have this, this uh, platform where it's a, a virtual convention center, almost identical to what you would see if you were to go to a, like a, a magic show or a, a playlist or a, you know, a, a VidCon. Like those little booths are set up and... During COVID, it's a beautiful thing to be able to still have those those platforms virtually. But I think that those platforms will exist in conjunction with the actual live events. Big facts. So, yeah. So, like, all these platforms that we're seeing and all this advancement in technology, it's not like it's going to go away. It's just going to kind of aid whatever is still available in person. Yeah, big facts. It'll, it'll kind of it'll kind of balance out. Am I am I wrong in saying I think that's where it's going? I think where it's there's like a couple they become things. visual. But I think video on demand dies a little bit. Not dies. Dies is the wrong word. But like when it comes to entertainment, think about like a live show moving forward. You, the labels have the money to pull this off. Nice cameras, drones, all this shit. So you're gonna spend two. 50 or whatever to go to the stadium event when it's in your city but every other time you can spend 20 dollars to watch it live like why wouldn't they just make that happen now everybody around the world sees every show it's a big deal super fans will eat that shit up season pass that motherfucker like yo the as a service economy is the only key thing in the future if it's a subscription and there's something built into it with a subscription i think it's a viable thing to care about that's where video on demand gets a little problematic. You know, all the people trying video on demand subscriptions are struggling, but people will support you a lot more for live content with a, as a, I don't know why. I can't, I don't know why, but they fuck with that. So that's why Twitch built. Yeah. A subscription it's, it's uncensored. Model. It's just, it's, it's what it is now. It's, it's, it's the new norm. Like, I'm old school. I, I produce content. I overproduce content. I make videos for people that I was watching some of the edits in your podcast and I'm like, yo, I don't even, I don't even chop out coughs anymore. <laughs> so that's Brian. Brian's 
like over the top. Brian and Bless would I, I'll be honest, I've never edited those things, but Brian and Bless would go through them with like a fine comb oh, and make sure that there's nothing. Though, but it was beautiful, like the cuts, and I'm like, I never did any of that. I just I'll show you off camera. Brian Brian and I are are, are business partners, and he's the best videographer slash editor I've ever met in my life. It's not even close. He should be with Scorsese filming in LA. Like it's not even Brian Finley. Remember that name? I he will. did a, a music video a hundred years ago for uh, Mugs. I don't know if you know Mugs. Mugs is an old school. I know the name. Yeah. Okay. He did it. I think that's the only video he's ever done, but I'll get him back one day. We'll do a music video together without a doubt. Yeah. So I feel like back to that Microsoft thing, the thing about that platform they have is you don't need VR. It's just cooler with VR. So you can log on with a desktop client and be in this virtual space. And it's corny. It's corny. But corny doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's visually corny because it's like right. Nintendo Wii avatar quality shit, right? Um, and then basically, uh, right now, you can go open mic. I don't know how to solve latency as a rapper, but if I had the right room or... Um, I, I can solve latency for Twitch. I can't do it for VR yet. But like, if I, hmm. if, you know, because of OBS, OBS is blessed. It lets you add the latency in the, in the console. So it does. And I, it does. OBS is a beautiful program. So with OBS, I can throw a whole concert. If COVID wasn't here, we'd be doing like weekly fucking shows out of my room. Like, I swear, I have the gear in my room. Like, why the fuck aren't we? Oh, COVID. So like, we're at that point for me. Like, yo, shit. Soon, man. I know, but like. End of the summer. But to, You're good. Do it, to do it in VR, nobody gives a fuck about us. I literally talked to app developers. I got into it. I don't know how it happened, but I got into this room with app developers and pitched the music. And they're like, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get back to you. But you know that all this thinking. It's not time yet. Because they're all thinking B2B. They all want to be Zoom 2, da, da, da. So all the people developing the tech are thinking corporate conferences. And I mean, let's be real. Why the fuck wouldn't they if we follow the money? We're probably exactly. a secondary market. And the labels do not want this to be free, widespread technology. <laughs> they, they really aren't invested in that. So we stuck with bootleg. But Twitch is beautiful. Twitch said, oh, independent people want their music played? Okay, let me partner with everybody that's not. And Empire or Lower is now partnered with Twitch. And everybody else is with YouTube. Do you not see the cosmic music divide that's about to play out? Yo, live writing music is the latest shit right now and it's not just you like that I, last night no i did i wrote a whole track i fucking love this song mm -hmm. it is maybe the best song i've ever written according to anybody that my peers have sent this shit to as far as mar amazing mar and you were live in the chat yeah they had while nothing. you were writing it? it was the weirdest shit okay like i don't think anybody wanted to chat with me while i was writing this track to be real with you given its content it was an awkward experience but I don't know what it is. Maybe just having the audience or I just said, fuck it, but it turned out okay. But the fact is I did it all live A to Z. I wrote the shit. I recorded the shit. Move. I don't do mixing and mastering. So I did not render the files for my engineer on cam. That sounded boring, but like, that's the only part. Yeah, but I recorded, yo, like, I don't know if anyone's here, but shit, it's on my Twitch. You can just go fucking watch the stream and watch me like, come up with the whole, like everything, write the hook, deliver the hook for 20 minutes. Super I... creative. dude. That's a great move. But like I saw other people doing it and the famous people, yo, Mike Shinoda did it. I'm not even going to lie. I'll what? give credit where it's due. Mike Shinoda dropped three albums in 2020 called Quarantine Sessions, which were tracks written with the Twitch audience there. So I'm, I'm going to give credit where it's due. So like, That's awesome. I look at it like you have that and it creates an as a service economy. Our rappers and shit need to stop selling products and start selling themselves because, yo, I have not tried to sell a record and somehow I've made more often not selling music than I have selling music. 
always. So it's like, I mean, cool, we can promo whatever, whatever. I mean, don't get me wrong. I might push a song or I might do marketing campaigns with this song. Music's still important, but that's not going to pay you. Well, I feel like not one of these things will pay me. It's me developing a skill set that makes me valuable. Because, yo, people are into, like, a lot of things because they see commodities as a way to gain value in life. And I think that everything I do is in the pursuit of skills and diversity of my portfolio as a skill set. So I treat myself like a cryptocurrency market. Hmm. I say that because cryptocurrencies are not currencies. They're digital assets like gold. Have fun with assets you can't spend anywhere is basically what it No, was. I feel you. Anyway. I feel you. you it's, strictly, it's, strictly, it's strictly digital. Yeah. So, I mean, it's cool for certain things. Like if you want to cop a Tesla when somebody inflates the value of it so you can cop a Tesla. But otherwise, yeah, that's what it is. Anyway, that's cool. It's only going to grow, dude. It's only going to get bigger. I don't know about You're that. in the right lane. Sorry? You're you're 100% in the right lane. Yeah, but I mean, you should do some shit like this. You should get into I the did. Twitch game. Twitch I game. Did. I did in 2010. I was uh, I was pretty big on YouTube. <laughs> well, I mean, the Twitch game. I would love to see Yeah, that. you know what? A couple people have said that, and, and, and there's just not enough hours in the day is the truth right now. Yeah, uh, if I'm going to do something, I want to be passionate, and I want to be able to do it for like a long period of time. I don't want to do it for like a 10-episode run kind of thing. That's fair. It's not all of um, us have looked at a million views and episode type shit in our lives. <laughs> I also have a lot with a couple hundreds, so nah, depends man. which platform. Um, yeah, man. I, I was, it was I a just, good time. I mean, it's cool, though, that you did all that. Like I say, with all the love, sometimes you forget that some people have done some very impressive things. But I say, like, when I say people should be on Twitch, it's always selfish. It's because I would fuck with you. I would watch your shit. I don't know what you would do. Maybe Thank I, you. I we, we, we had a gaming channel back in the day. I used to play NBA. There's a couple of live streams online. Uh, it's called OG, Original Gamer. Um, and I, I used to play NBA and, and just hang out and talk to people. Um, and then Dave had a Twitch stream for a couple years, I think like two years. So I'd go on his Twitch and we'd get loaded and play video games. But I never, I never developed my own audience. I never got into it because... When Twitch came out, it was video games only. Yeah, it was, was Bob it Ross and video games. I did not. Sorry? I didn't want to go on Twitch for a long. I, the, I think the biggest mistake I made was not being on Twitch for four years. If I had to think critically, right. had I been on, t- oh, fuck. Anyway, that's uh, that's one of those what I should have done instead of like six months mm-hmm. or whatever. But like, yo, but it's because you didn't think of Twitch like that. There was like what two no. podcasts on Twitch, and like it was just a bunch of games. And more than that, the community was weird. I'm, I've never really enjoyed gaming communities as a member of the group gaming communities. I don't play online games. I'm just not into that world. So it didn't seem very appealing to me. Not to say no, me it's either. bad. I'm just saying I never. I don't understand the jokes. I don't get the nomenclatures and shit. So like I got into music Twitch though. And I'm like learning about like fucking Soka with Preach and Kobe on Fridays. And everybody's like happy and people are throwing twerk emotes. And I'm like... This, this is, is special. Bless. So currently what I'm going through is like this DJ revolution on Twitch where it's like I'm discovering local Soka tracks and shit. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is fucking amazing. I'm just waiting for all the musician peoples to come join me on Twitch. I'm just waiting for it. Imagine the creative buzz that would come from like the whole city creating on Twitch. Do it. I'm trying. You're on your way. I'm literally trying. You're on your way. Half of the reason I brought it up is to preach it to the peoples. If they're like, let yeah, me know, course. says it's a good idea, maybe it's a good idea. 
no, it sounds it sounds like you're in the process. It already is, and it's bigger than an idea. It's happening. Well, for me, but I want others to join the quest and journey because it's not a solo game. This shit does not work by myself. Like if like I'm alone doing it to like four viewers, ten viewers, even if I'm doing it to three hundred viewers, that's not like it. It comes when we doing raid concerts. It comes when we doing shit that can't be done by myself because I can't let nobody in my crib. And we could be doing so much more if there were others. There. And it takes time to build, but I like that you're 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 already thinking three to ten steps ahead of it. You know what I mean? A lot of steps ahead. There's yeah. there's there's yeah. there's certain things that you want to happen. Oh big facts, man. I've been thinking about this for like since I met Marty. <laughs> That's, Perfect. That's how I know him. I know his name is Justice. Sorry, whatever. Uh, but uh, oh, there's a couple different names, but yeah, that's one of them. Uh, yeah, sure. Five percent battery, dude. I'm almost done. Yeah, I figured. Um, I knew I was trying to time it and realize we were at the end. But yeah, this was great. I appreciate you coming through. Honestly, this was like a big pleasure. Um, your your story is just full of a lot of insight. Like you've done some incredible things. You are undeniably a legend because of the Thank things you, you've done and people talk good about I'm, a, you. I'm an eternal optimist I, I i enjoyed every step of the way all those stories that i told every single one of them i had a good time and a smile on my face that's the difference is is they're all good stories even the ones that were kind of fucked up we were still smiling and having fun so it's blessed and it's important very very fun. fortunate and very fortunate People always say good things about you when your name comes up, and that's usually where it gets. Yep. Your name comes up, so that's how you know you're in a good place. Is if your name comes. Well, up. you're you're friends with my friends, Vince and Ciel are like two that, of my close friends. So. Fair, but your name came up outside of them. Um, people, okay, people fair. Know who you are? Like you're not like a com completely unknown entity. Like people know. Let me know. Okay, like I put in a little work. So it's like, you know, your name doesn't, you know, I got like people going, oh shit, on like the Insta and shit. I didn't make that up. It wasn't me. Don Smooth was excited. Okay. Don Love Smooth. Don. Love so, Don. Don. Don's been straight up with me since day one. Love Don. Nothing like a uh, genuine quality human being. You can see when you look at him that this is yeah. a good person. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's Just a smile. Like, like I want to hug him. <laughs> Love Don Smooth. But yeah, also thank y'all for watching though, because as much as it's great to have Let Me Know share stuff without the people watching both now thank and you in guys. the future in that on-demand thing that is still prevalent and useful in this day. Um, y'all are wonderful and we appreciate y'all for real. So, you know, if you're feeling it, definitely make sure to like, comment, subscribe, follow whatever platform you're on. I'm on like so many platforms. I don't know which ones. If there's even subscribe. a follow. That's, that's the big one, right? I know, subscribe. but I have more fun with it this way. Because subscribe means something else on Twitch. And uh, <clears throat> follow and, and subscribe are not the same on Twitch line. Which brings me Subscribers. to special thanks to the patrons. Ismail Gadamsi, Chris Prada, Jonathan Farns, DJ Black Hurricane, Linda Williams, and Scribble. They don't. They support what we do. And if you on Twitch and you support what we do, you can hit that subscribe button with that Amazon Prime. It's mad free. And if you in the future, Twitch. Sorry, patreon.com slash behind that suit. Y'all figure it out. It's all linked below. Also, let me know. Shit's linked below. Everybody's shit's linked below. Thank you, man. I had a lot of fun. I, I hope I hope you everything that you want and more comes from this. Honestly, I'm learning every time. It's like getting like you you know, like you watch the TED Talks or the Royal Institutes and we're just we're just doing that here with people here. It's kinda beautiful. Basically, nobody will ever be able to tell me Montreal ain't got talent ever again. Facts. Can't. It's impossible. And that's why it's beautiful. Anyway. 
on that note, everybody, I don't know who we're going to raid. Let me quit check that right quick so that we do it. Ismail, I'm just going to pick somebody. Don't redeem a raid. Uh, we'll pick Mers. Fuck it. You like Mers. That's right, Mers. Mers from fucking wherever. We're going to just go raid him. Inevitably, he'll see me raiding him a bunch. Maybe he clicks on my shit. <laughs> you never know. But, yo, live long and prosper, everybody, so I get the fucking that part. Thank you.